There's only need, I love your need So much I'm losing me I cannot see the reason for the pain With hungry joy, I'll be your toy Just hoping you will play Without the hope, my body starts to fail Memories fade, but the sky still lingers Goodbye, my friend Will I ever love again? Memories fade, but the sky still
Have you ever wondered if people will live for hundreds of years? Come see Aubrey de Grey and other prominent scientists at the Lifespan Conference on November 15th in Vancouver, Canada. You'll learn about new advances in human longevity, genomics, and what the future may hold for humankind. Early bird tickets are available now at www.lifespanbc.ca. Okay, okay, so let's go. All right, uh, this is Ink Studs on the Road. This is our 12th interview in a week. Brennan and I have been interviewing up a storm, and now we're in the home of Rob Liefeld in... Yorba Linda. Yorba Linda. Yeah, sunny um, Yorba Linda. Sunday. It's uh, very <laughs> surreal here. We've passed by a road called Shopping Mall Road. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah, that's pathetic. <laughs> I didn't know that. It's called the home of great, the land of gracious living. They really don't let a whole lot be built here. That's why further down it's all horse country ranches and very quiet. Perfect place to raise a family. You like being... Not like, very artistic. You like being pretty removed from the immediate L.A. Yeah. Madness. I, I don't want... I If I cannot be up there, that, that'd be awesome. And I avoided it my whole career. Now, um, before... Before we start talking, uh, Brandon started asking about uh, Michael Golden because mm-hmm. uh, you have the GI Joe portfolio. Yes, um, and so that Golden and Adams—that's kind of like your like childhood wheelhouse. Yeah, everyone says like without Michael Golden and Art Adams, there would not be an Image Comics referring to us as artists. And I mean, they're, they're right. I mean, those guys uh, more Art Adams for me. Uh, probably my, more Michael Golden for Todd McFarlane, mm-hmm. uh, but everybody, everybody was. I mean, Golden's Micronauts came out right after Star Wars, so I was ten years old, and I could not believe how utterly fantastic. I mean, my, if you haven't read Micronauts one through twelve, read Micronauts one through twelve. It was better than what Star Wars was doing at the time with toys. I was in the Micronaut toys, but the comic was so far superior. It, Marvel had a. Uh, a knack at the time of yeah. making way better comics than the toys like like Rom. Everyone always talks about Rom. Oh, yeah. But um, who has a Rom toy? Yeah, I, I, I used to. I used to. <laughs> you're the, you're um, the one guy. I am. The uh, the 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 golden stuff though. Uh, I mean, he just drew in a very decidedly different way, and uh, was very singular. Loved the way he drew men, women, tech. But then Art Adams came around. And I was able to meet Art as Art was getting into the business. It was one of those rare things where he would do a lot of local shows here in L.A. He came from San Francisco area. Uh, and uh, I'd have him draw my sketchbook. And I had, uh, he he did these crazy, like, on 8.5 by 11, he'd draw, like, 80 characters in little boxes. He, I mean, I know he, he knows what I'm talking about because he used to, like, sell them. Yeah. He, it was just hit, but and, and these little tiny figures were so detailed. But the minute I saw his work, I saw Mike Kaluta, I saw Early Barry Smith, I saw mm-hmm. Michael Golden. I, I, it was such a merger of everybody. And uh, it, at the time, I was really like a. At that time, I was more Burn Perez because Golden did not produce a lot of work. Yeah. He had, and 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 at that time, it was kind of pre his work on the Nam, and uh, which got him back out regularly but that wouldn't be to like 87 so there was a he golden was a guy who would do an annual and art adams would end up doing two annuals a year so you just got more of art adams and a lot more covers yeah but yeah and and when you're sitting around the comic book store with your friends at the convention it always fell to well burn draws better captain america no perez draws better you know and we all agreed like art adams draws everyone cooler mm-hmm. than everyone else did you ever get into Garcia Lopez? You know, 
loved everything, bought everything he did. Mm. He was immaculate, brilliant, um, you know, uh, in that Neil Adams mode. I mean, I bought it when he did. If I bought... It's like a cleaner Neil Adams. Yeah, and and his gestures... See, you understand, what appeals to me and what is my priority when I do a page? Mm -hmm. Gestures first, um, storytelling, and gestures are everything to me. And uh, not drawing something to look photorealistic because that's just boring yeah. and always has been and the few guys that can make it appealing kudos to them because they found out a way to make it appealing I mean I think when Brian Hitch was doing the ultimates I was like wow I'm normally not, I don't normally go for this stuff but he had just hit a sweet spot you know I love that crack you did on Alex Ross though Alex <laughs> Ross is so boring I mean no honestly and I, I how many people can say they were on the phone with Alex Ross when he did those giant rock, giant size editions, and I he did this, the he's like a Superman, or Batman, and Wonder Woman, and the Superman came out, and he and I were talking about doing Supreme at the time, and Alex had really come around to tolerating me, I guess, because in the early '90s he was another guy that was like, well, Rob Liefeld's terrible. How can you like Rob Liefeld? It's, it's not realistic. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why you like Rob Liefeld because it's not realistic. You Head. Well, do you see his Archie um, cover? Well, oh, it was frightening. Honestly, <laughs> it haunted my dream. I, it, like, there are some things that cannot be unseen. The, the, okay, let me tell you something. Segway. I haven't, I, I haven't had time to put my formal thoughts, but when I was a kid, one guy scared me more than everybody in, in cinema. And uh, the, the, the child catcher in Chitty Chitty Bang Bang mm-hmm. yep. scared the crap out of me. And when he's prancing around going, lollipops, um, candy, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. I would, my, I, you know, it was on at 9 o'clock on Channel 7 when I was a kid. So I had to immediately go to bed going, oh, I'm terrified of the kid, of the child catcher. His jughead, look at his jughead. Oh yeah. He was like, I'm drawing the child catcher from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. That's who jughead is in real life. Because you're like, that looks bad. Like his comments. So, like I said, <laughs> so, so Alex, Alex was going to do some Supreme with me and had already done some paintings and some design work. So I called him up and said, Alex, could this Superman thing be more boring? Could this be more boring? And then, oh, well, you're going to like my Batman better. <laughs> Batman came out and I said, dude, can I tell you what you need? Someone needs to hit someone in one of your comics. Because all they do is stand around and pose and look down at us. You love that low angle camera shot, and then I will now look condescendingly down at you. And we have an Alex Ross painting, you know? Or I will extend my body upward to the heavens, and you will catch me from beneath. You're basically he, doing his photo reference yeah, right now. Dude, I mean, come on. So, so I would say, and Alex, if you ever hear this, you know I said that to your face. So if I'm saying it to you now, it's not like I'm knifing you in the back. Um, Amazing, amazing. The thing about Alex Ross that blows me away, there were guys at Cal State Fullerton when I took art courses there that drew as well as Alex mm-hmm. in terms of figure drawing and photorealism. Alex, his mastery of color is second to none. You go, he put every color on the color wheel in this painting and it's, it's genius. Like to me, his mastery of, of blending colors and just his palette is phenomenal. But come on, man. I mean, there, there's... Going back to Garcia Lopez, mm-hmm. Garcia Lopez at least knew how to have a guy throw a punch, yeah. you know. And it was ex- and Superman fooled it was exciting and it had dynamicism. It didn't. It wasn't like this is my favorite version of Christopher Reeve from Superman Two, and I've caught it in a photo. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's my opinion. Um, but I've always gone for the stylistic stuff. Yeah. And uh, so again, Art Adams, very thing about Art Adams. People always like. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not the guy. But now it's been twenty some years. I'm not the guy to go. But him, but him, but him. Look, the stuff that I do was all done before me. Pinheads, Art Adams, check. Uh, giant, tor- uh, ch- uh, spread out chest and shoulders, Art Adams, check. Uh, super, super, super long legs and, and, and long extended waist, Art Adams, check. I mean, I, I got, he did it, it all looked fantastic, and I was like, I'm going to co-op this. As Art Adams has become more um, European in his art style, it looks like more like, it, it's much more uh, refined. He's I, also changed his drawing size too, right? From then, he correct. would draw a lot bigger. But I was, like I said, I would see him at all the conventions. And so the X-Men Art Adams, one summer, showed up at the convention with Xeroxes of his uh, upcoming Superman annual. And suddenly, everyone had the lantern chins. I, I mean, have those Xeroxes. Yeah, okay. That never came out, did it? No, no, it did. Is it? But um, he said that Dick Giordano inked inside all the chins to, to trim them. But he, I said, what are you doing? He's like, well, I just... Really like what Frank Miller's done on Dark Knight. <laughs> I think you can tell. And I'd be like, that's exactly what I'm looking at. I mean, he, Art was always a guy that could take an influence and like touch the page and absorb. I now have absorbed Frank Miller's mojo. <laughs> and out of this hand, I shall wield it through the Art Adams, you know, lens. I mean, there's those guys too. Jim Lee, also, great blender. Mm-hmm. You can go in Jim Lee's car and go, uh oh, Jim Lee discovered Barry Windsor Smith. Activate, you know, suck that marrow. I think he's like. That's funny. Like last night, someone brought up that Barry Windsor Smith stuff, and I really thought about it. Oh, dude, yeah. I have now looked at Paul Smith. He's like Rogue. Jim yeah. Lee is Rogue. Uh-huh. He can take your power. If he wanted to draw like Simon, he would go over and go, touch the page, suck that crap right out of it, and then boom. The next thing, hey, this is how Batman would draw, be drawn like. There was a Terry Simon. Moore Jim Lee period too. Oh, that's frightening. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. Um, he, uh, Frank Miller. I can do Dark Knight. I can do Sin City. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just, uh, he's very, he, to me, the stuff that I liked of Jim the most, and I think I've looked back, uh, same as I said with Art Adams, it, when, when I look at his work and I saw, I see Walt Simonson, Mike Kaluta, Mike Golden, and um, Barry Smith all smashed together. And it looks phenomenal. He's, I can see different pieces. Same thing, I used to burn at his peak. You'd go, that's Gilkane, that's Ditko, that's Kirby, and that's Manga. And he'd put it in his John Byrne brush. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the X-Men, part of the, like, wow! You'd be like, okay, on this panel, Jim is doing Frank Miller's Wolverine. On this page, he's doing Barry Windsor Smith's Wolverine. Now he's doing Paul Smith's Wolverine. Oh, he's definitely doing Paul Smith's Cyclops and Gene. And it was cool, you'd see the influences. The reason... Um, same thing, his Batman is so good because he had, anytime there's, there's guys in our business, I think Byrne and Jim Lee thrive at coming after extended great runs mm-hmm. because they take pieces. I'm going to take Neil Adams, I'm going to take Jim Apero, I'm going to take John Byrne, I'm going to take, uh, you know, Frank Miller, and I'm going to put them all on the page together because I know what the fans like. And I, cause I, it, it, it's what he likes. Yeah. And by extension, the fans respond to it. But I mean, and again, I mean, it's not. Stupid Jim came to my studio in front of my guys in like 1993 and said, I'll draw Rob Liefeld. I can draw exactly like you. And dude, he sat down there with a blank piece of 8.5 by 11 page and drew 
he drew the long ankles, he drew the tiny feet, he drew the, and I'm like, and he had the mastery of the line art, and I'm like, no, that's okay, he's got a talent. He became, I was like, if I sign that, that looks exactly like me. There's, there's this guy named Ed Piscor, mm-hmm. Piscor, he does the hip hop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been on Facebook, like, saying how he's deconstructed, he, he studied my artwork and has deconstructed my period from 1992, and he showed me how he drew one panel like Todd, but decided he drew it like me instead. And I'm like, crap, he did. Like, yeah. that, I could have, I could sign my name to that. That looks like me mm-hmm. in a time machine in 1992. Mm-hmm. So there's these guys who can just, like, do that. Um, but I, I've always liked the guys who I call the blenders. When they're blending stuff up and showing multiple influences mm-hmm. is where I go, oh, that's cool, because it reflects pieces and things that I like on their way to being their own thing. And then, see, I think John Byrne ran out of influences and just became boring. He was just like, redoing John like, Byrne. No, yeah, yeah, and then, that, not a good thing. No. Now, what you were drawing a lot when you were young? Oh, like, all the time, all the time. Like right away, like, like I want to be a cartoonist. Doing right now. Yeah, I can't. I, uh, I, I always, I, my, I have tests from grade school up with tell Robbie to not draw on the page. We're going to mark him down the next time. Tell Robbie to stop drawing. Teacher's conference. Robbie has to stop drawing. Be careful. Um, he might buy a house with his art. Yeah. And, and, and pull on the ear at church in the hymnals. I drew always, there was always three to four blank pages in the back of the hymnals and I'm like, today's canvas. While my grandfather preaches, I will draw. So, I, it was just, you know, and, it's, and again, I see my, my Sonny, I don't care if he hears me down there. He's great. He has tremendous talent, but he's undisciplined. He only draws when he sees some something gets him going, like Naruto, and mm-hmm. then he's up here, and he's drawing 10 Naruto drawings, mm-hmm. and they're fantastic. But I asked him to draw more, and he put a note on my nightstand and said, I don't like to draw. Don't ask me to draw more. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Um, my daughter loves to draw, too, but you see when she draws all the time, and she's mm-hmm. also very talented. Um... But it's like, you know when you just, it's your outlet. And, and what scares me is I've never liked video games because I see them for the time-sucking, you know, right. enemy of mankind that they are. Um, I admire them. But, like, my kids, they play a lot of them. And I go, this is where the creativity is all going. And maybe it's going to come out and make great video games. Yeah. But it's certainly not drawing the sketchbook. And that was my outlet. My outlet was not, um, you know jumping into a virtual world and murdering everyone. And I can see where they get off on that. I mean, I, at that house we were just at, down at the beach, they had a giant TV. My son said, can I bring the Xbox? We brought it, plugged. And I watched him and his buddies, you know, murder zombies. And it's fun. But at some point you go, doesn't this, like, doesn't this wear off? Mm-hmm. You know, I bought the Deadpool video game. I don't know how to play. I said, son, you're going to play this for me. No question <laughs> asked. Do you, like the, do you like the roof over the head? Okay, play the game. And uh, so I said, I've got to see everything in here. So, you know, he's like, oh, he had a blast. You know, but I, I didn't want, like, any argument. I'm like, I'm not, we're not having an argument. You're going to play this for dead. So, anyway, he enjoyed it. It, it comes off sounding worse than it is. Because he was like, cool, I get to play the NC-17 game for dad. <laughs> and then, like, on the his eyes. Level, my wife came up, and I'm like, okay, we're done. And we never got past the fifth level, because it got a little raunchy. And my wife was like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, nothing. So, uh, drew all the time. Um, no. Hawk and Dove, that was your first... That was my... Like, I did a bunch of short stories. Short stories. I actually got hired by Marvel and did some Marvel Universe handbook stuff. And then uh, I was drawing some of my own... Like, what got me hired by Marvel and then later DC was these Youngblood samples. So I had my own kind of super team. 
and those samples got me hired. And I got, uh, Marvel sent me the Mar Universe Handbook stuff, but then DC sent me short stories. I did some Secret Origins, I did a backup story in Warlord, and then they said, uh, I was like the last guy asked to do Hawk and Dove. Everyone else turned them down. And I know some of my friends they asked at the time who were breaking into the business, they turned them down. And because they didn't have the love, I loved Hawk and Dove because I loved the Teen Titans. Mm -hmm. And I didn't love the Robin, Kid Flash, like speedy Teen Titans, yeah. that they, in the late... 60s, early 70s, they expanded, and there was Harlequin, and 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 Hawk and Dove, and there was the Golden Eagle, and there was um, a, a, an awesome name for a character. His name was Mal, M-A-L. So like, um, and I was like, I like, I like, I've always liked the secondary guys. Yeah. So I put together some samples. I pursued that gig, and so everybody turned them down, and I was able to, uh, you know, I knew this was my big break. DC miniseries had been doing pretty good. And I pursued it because the Kiesel story was cool. They, they, they told me what they were doing with the story and uh, what they were doing with like the Lords of Chaos and Order and the new villain they were uh, introducing. And so, I mean, that, that was a great period of time. I lived in an apartment, drew pages every day. Uh, it's when I started, you know, getting my sea legs and How old were you figuring at that things point? out. So then, if that's 87, at that point, I'm 20. Okay. Born in 67, so I can just... So, October 67, that's spring of 87. So, yeah, I'm 20 years old. And uh, I had gotten hired. Like I said, I'd already done the Universe Handbook stuff and the short stories. I got hired 18. And just like any freelancer, I mean, you wait for that stuff. You go, yeah. you want me to draw 20. Um, Marvel Universe Handbook stuff, I did... Uh, all of the Zodiac characters, so there was 12 of those, and then I did like a, weird villains, then I did some stuff for Who's Who, um, and like I said, I did a uh, like a 16-page Warlord story, and then I did a 15-page Secret Origin story, and there may have been something else. I think I did a couple of covers for a book called Checkmate. Oh, yeah. Like, so, like, I, I the just... Baxter people. I had some Checkmate. Yeah, I, yeah, just, I, just, I just kind of bumped around waiting, and so by the time I got Hawk and Dove, yeah, 1987, and... Uh, now, you didn't do any art school or anything like that. Like, I have no was it like the minute that, high school was done, you're just like, I'm going to be a fucking comic uh, artist and yep, get this going. Yep. Did they um, click with you at the time how crazy it was for a 20-year-old to be working at Marvel? No. Yeah. Uh, I I had understood that Art Adams was very young when mm -hmm. he got in. So I was he was like the benchmark. Again, push, I'm like, he broke in at 19, I can break in at 18. Because mm -hmm. I graduated high school when I was 17. Okay. Um, I graduated class 85. Again... I don't turn 18 till that October. I didn't drive till like my junior year because I turned 16 so late. Um, so got out and literally a year later got hired in 86 and then by 87 I'm drawing Hawk and Dove. So. Do you ever read any of the Ditko stuff? Loved it, bought it all, um, had, had it prior. And what people also forget is like the Gil Kane uh, Hawk and Doves, it started off Ditko, and I mean that was, it was only like eight or nine issues. Yeah. But the Gil Kane stuff, You'll see a lot of Frank Miller's Daredevil in there. They're yeah. jumping rooftops in back alleyways, and you'll see that Frank had... Frank's like, no one's looking at this Hawk and Dove stuff. No one will catch me. Um, again, I like to sort... Sourcing is the yeah. beauty of the industry. And everyone, you know, na nowadays... I think Eric Larson said it the best. Everyone has a scanner and can tell if you're imitating someone else. But it's like, that's the beauty of the business. We, we love influence. And what I've never understood... Again, from homaging to swiping to, okay, 
I watched the documentary about Star Wars when I was a kid. Star Wars was a religious experience for me. I mm-hmm. mean, I went every weekend for 30 weekends, wow. and sometimes twice a weekend, and my parents were totally content. Me and my buddies and my cousins, we just, and every time we would look at a different part of the screen, especially during the cantina, especially, I mean, people forget. I, I can, I love Logan's Run. I can pop Logan's Run in for you. I can oh, show nice. you what special effects looked like one year prior. Because in the comic book, I got the Logan's Run comic book where they're like, and you saw these giant bursts, and then Logan goes, Francis, and points his gun, and there's a pause, and two little fires go, and then time, three, two, one, behind Francis, the squib goes off, and you're like, wow, this is way better than the comic book. Like, <laughs> then, a year later, George knew what he was doing, when yeah. R2 and C-3PO go across the hall, and you see that rivet of laser bullets, you're like, what am I watching? I always, t- I always tell my kids, you don't know what it was like to yeah. experience that. It was like, there's a new sheriff in town. The, this movie owns everything. And just it, the whole spaceship at the beginning. Dude, that was just like, yeah, I know yep, what I'm doing, and you're yep. going to have to deal with it. So, so when they did the document, like, you know, there were Star Wars specials around Christmas, and Star Wars was the most celebrated anything, so CBS... They'd show, and here's where George took World War II footage, and I'm like, wow, those shots on the Death Star with the turrets shooting down the, the X-Wings as they dove in, and they showed where he took that from World War II movies. Black and white World War II films of, of the bombers coming in and the, on the aircraft carriers, and you just go, he was just stealing shots right and left again. Influence, and then as I got older, and go, oh, he took that from the Hidden Fortress, and there's a lot of Kurosawa in this film, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of Jack Kirby in this film, and there's a lot of, you know, that's exciting. You go, it's what unites us all that we're all looking at something sometime at some point. But nowadays, it's like, are, are you original? And I've seen some of these kids. Uh, I won't mention him, but a kid because I like him. Uh, earlier in the conversation before we were taped, mm-hmm. he broke in about six or seven years ago. He wore his influences on his sleeve. Huge Image Comics guy. Uh, you could see. Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, Tom McFarlane, Mark Sylvester, Oliver's work. And last week I picked up a comic book his, by his and I'm like, oh my gosh. You're boring now. You're boring. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is is toned down. You know, everything is tame and you're trying to draw like everybody else. And let me just shoot myself now because you were so exciting. When, and he's done terms on some of the big Marvel books. And it's kind of like, hey buddy. It's time for you to go and take your audience with you and make your own life and make your own world. Because I truly don't believe that these guys all want to serve the corporate master for as long as they end up doing it. But they get tricked. They get swooned. Um, and again, they're all different guys. I heard a great story from a great source two weeks ago. Two guys about to renew for Marvel. Both say, nah, we're moving on. One guy, nah, I'm moving on. Nah, I'm moving on. Marvel goes, we will give you an extra... Hundred dollars a page if you stay with one guy. And one guy goes, "I'm in! Wow! Awesome! Killer! Sign me!" The other guy goes, "No! No! No! No!" So they basically were like, the other guy signed for like an extra five thousand a year, and the other guy kept saying no until they were like, "We will give you an extra hundred thousand a year." Now, as young art, both these guys been in the business about six years. The corporations certainly have the capacity to sign people at that level. Yeah. An extra $100,000 to do what you love and to draw cool stuff for Marvel on top of what you're already making is a great gig. Take that job. And uh, plan for your next contract, which is up in two years. Because you're a young guy. 
I mean, I feel like I'm young. I'm young in spirit. I'm young in heart. I'm 46 years old. You got a lot more energy uh, than any of us. Okay, um, I can take y'all. Uh, even the big guy. Um, the uh, the thing is, uh, the thing is that that I get it when you're young, but there's going to be a period where you're like, I I that window. Now, the guy who got the extra is way, in my opinion, is the more masterful illustrator, yeah. and uh, he. Maybe was gonna go do something with Image, but decided that's a pretty sweet gig. As artists, we like being comfortable. As far as I know, neither the, oh, this guy who signed doesn't have a family. They've got the more. The guy that took the little to stay longer has a family, but you just go, I wish there was a like management firm or a, I'll, I'll give you advice for free. Let me tell you what Image was born out of. Todd McFarlane, ring. Hey, what's up, Todd? Bug, are, are, are you? Are you seriously taking that less a page? Bud, hold out for more. And I'd be like, you think so? True story. Never told this one before. Todd calls me up and goes, Bud, I hear you're uh, holding out for Alpha Flight. And I'm like, I love Burns Alpha Flight. If I can take over Alpha Flight, that'd be killer. And I had an Alpha Flight proposal. And it was heavily on Wolverine, joining Alpha Flight. And Burn had this organization called Omega Flight. I build that out. But I also introduced this guy named Cable. And Cable was in the, um, the, the, the proposal, and so was Deadpool. Everything I put in X-Force, this is right. Now, they had just hired me to do New Mutants. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, but if I can draw Wolverine and Alpha Flight, that's my... Because my generation, 1987, Wolverine's only been around 10 11 years. years. Yeah, but 75, to, so, so 11, 12 years. Yeah. He's still new. He'd only have his... He, he had his first miniseries in 1982 so yeah he's really still like fresh and sexy and everyone digs him he's got the rage the hair the claws he's Canadian which, <laughs> which to Americans like that's so mysterious um, so anyway <laughs> in Canada for six years it's still mysterious there you go there yeah. you go so so my thing I is milk. I said I'm, I, I, I uh, so I said I want to take over I'll let this and the editor his name's Danny Fingeroff said Rob I'll let you draw Alpha Flight. Done. I said, Todd, let me do it. Of course they let you do it, bud. <laughs> you need to write and ink the whole shit. And I said, okay, ring. Hey, Danny. Rob, what's up? I need to write Alpha Flight too. I also need to ink it. I need to... Oh, my gosh. Rob, I, I'm going to get back to you. I got to go talk to the editor-in-chief. Okay, you got to call me tomorrow because you know, I don't want... The New Mutants guys to get too mad at me that I'm, you know, I'm still drawing yeah. for them, but I'm about to leave two issues. In, or like I'm actually drawing like the New Mutants annual, mm -hmm. and I'm going to start doing the my first issue. Like I had nothing, I had nothing injected into it. Yeah. And you might wonder why, why, why did Rob all his ideas come out one issue later? Again, leverage. Danny Fingeroff <coughs> calls me back and goes, Rob, we talked to everybody. You can write, draw, and ink Alpha Flight. And I said, when? Todd. Gonna, can you believe this? They're gonna let me write, draw, and, and if you talk to Todd, Todd will go, "Oh yeah, but I, I did all this." Rob, uh, you 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 gotta have them started at number one. You gotta it, it has to be renumbered. You can't jump on that crap now. And I go, "Okay, hey Danny, Rob, I need to be relaunched. I need I can only do this. If this is going to be at number one." They're pissed. Rob, this is this is really. I've gone to bat for you. I'm going to go bat. Okay. Calls me up. 
they won't relaunch it. Danny, I'm staying on the New Mutants. Mm-hmm. And Dodd goes, good move, bud. The X office is where it's at. And I'd be like, this is rad. <laughs> now, what I'm telling you is there's another guy, Todd, and he retold this story three years ago to Kirkman, myself, and uh, I forget who else was there. Because, again, Todd was, what you didn't know is I wasn't the only guy Todd was calling. He was yeah. calling about 10 artists a mm-hmm. day and telling him, ask for more, do more. He was like the union leader. Mm-hmm. There's another guy, I won't divulge his name, but he's like, oh, Robbie, it doesn't work for everybody, but I told all the same advice to the other guy and he got fired. <laughs> he's like out the door. They kicked his ass out. And I'm like, oh, that's so sad. Um, <laughs> and it was another guy who was like, I want to write, I want, I, I, I want to draw, I want to write the book. I want to ink the book. I want to, you're fired. Oh, and because Todd's like, because sometimes when Todd gets really entertained, he kind of gets into a, a, a roar. Uh, there's a show called Welcome Back, Cotter and yep. Horseshack. Yep. And he kind of gets into it. Like, <laughs> it doesn't work for everybody, bud. <laughs> he was clearly, you know, entertained. He was kind of like, having well, fun. Seeing it's, what well, happens. it's like, I can only tell you, but like, I can give you the gear to climb the mountain. That doesn't mean you're getting to the peak. Mm-hmm. And so, might be a drop so, off. so yeah, at some point you might slip and oops, sorry, bud, I gave you all the tools. So uh, I was, I can only imagine the Marvel offices how many times they threw the phone against the wall and they're like that punk light bulb because they were probably like he's 21 years old <laughs> dictating terms. But if you got the mojo, you, again, so, so suddenly. Bob had heard all about this, my editor. So, Rob, you're not leaving us for Alpha Flight? Nope, I'm staying. But I got to have a lot more to do with the book. Done. So, it actually benefited me. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I think I got a script where, you know, there was a friction between it, Louise Simonson, God bless her, and, you know, married to one of the all-time, probably top five talents in the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, she... Her vision of the book is what put the book to be in the position. Her vision, if you want to know what her vision of the book was, it was the 25 issues prior to me with Brett Blevins. And it was an it looked, Brett Blevins is an amazing illustrator. He should do like Little Mermaid 2, Beauty and the Beast 2. He does a, he has a beautiful Disney line. It's yeah. elegant. It's, it's beautiful. Um, Lost Chronicles is my perfect book for him. Okay. But not it's not X-Men. It's not X-Men. What the X-Men fans wanted, I was ready to give them. It's what I loved. And if you can... So, I filled that book. I mean, Bob said, I want to introduce a new teacher. And I... Next morning, here's the five sketches of the new guy, Cable. And again, they were like... Bob Harris was like, I want to call him um, Quinn. And I go, yeah, if we're going to call him Quinn, I'm done. Like, I'm, Quinn carries no, you kick down the door with your boot. Isn't that the medicine woman? Yeah, here, yes. he's like, hear me out, Dr. Quinn, medicine woman. Yeah. Uh, who are you? I'm Cable. It has a great cadence to it. Mm-hmm. And then Louise was like, well, I think his name should be Commander X. I said, I will also be leaving if he is Commander X. Because that sounds like cheese. Hey, everyone. I, I mean, she, they're always. I'm all, a porn name, too. They're, 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 <laughs> there was also a character named Birdbrain. That had been in the book. Oh, I, yeah. You guys don't remember this. It I was remember Bird Brain. It was a mess. Bird Brain yeah. was terrible. They killed off the it, it, New Mutants in, during that time was like Archie. Not painted by Alex Ross to scare you. But it was, <laughs> it was New Mutants. New Mutants was like, hey, kids. And so one of my issues, you could tell the friction. You want to know friction? 
Cable is battling the Mutant Liberation Front in the back alley while the New Mutants kids are searching for a necklace at the jewelry store to buy for one of their girlfriends. And I'm like, shoot me! I'm like, this is freaking horrible! No one wants to read this crap! They want more of the back that battle in the back alley. And you can get to characterization, and you can get to all the other stuff really good. It doesn't need to be a bunch of kids buying jewelry. You know, but that was the Louise dynamic and the Rob dynamic just grinding. Yeah. Grinding. And, you know, uh, I was fortunate. Obviously, Louise is very accomplished. Uh, I've never... All I can say is that our visions were different. And yeah. She had been in the office a very long time and knew what she was doing. She had edited some of the best books. But things change. And my generation was... John Byrne, Walt Simonson, all those guys came from a different... The youngest among them was Miller. It was clear he grew up with Grindhouse films, um, manga, anime. He brought a different flavor. Uh, our a lot of generation, European sensibilities, yes, too. We brought the in-your-face MTV. <laughs> I mean, I lived on music videos. MTV was never off in my house during that period. I lived on music videos, the imagery, the boldness, and I really feel like we brought more of the uh, comics, had become dull. I, as I was telling Brandon, I've been breaking down like, how did all this happen? How did image even happen? And what? And there were a lot of guys uh, drawing dull comics. Um, they were boring. They were structured. They were six-panel grids. The, um, Todd would go, but every time I poke a finger out of a panel and break the plane, I get the call. And when I get the call, that just means. Who fingers are breaking the next plane? Eventually, <laughs> the whole fist is coming out of the page, bud. And you go, he just had that rebel. Todd was the the rebel rouser. And in me, he had the pupil that would be like, I'll kill for you. Like, you want, is that the guy you want me to kill? I'll kill him. So like, what were you listening to back then when you were drawing? I only years? listened to whatever. Now, I got to be honest. I hated all that. Um, when MTV... See, the MTV I grew up with was the first MTV, right. which had all the European, mm-hmm. I mean, it had reggae, it had, and then when the, when, the, when the hair metal came, that was horrible, but I know where I was standing mm-hmm. when I was about to leave, turn and walk, and Smells Like Teen Spirit came on, mm-hmm. and I just went, oh my God, what is this? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, I tra- but that, all that, like, I hated, what, who is that guy? Uh, Jamie Lane, what was there? Was like sh- Cherry Pie. Oh, like yeah. That era was horrible. Oh, yeah. And then they had Headbangers Ball. That that stuff was horrible. I hated all that stuff. And here we are in LA. I'm not cool. No, I'm not cool musically. I just. But the British Invasion of the early '80s. That was like I, the Fix. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Spandau Ballet. Uh, all that stuff. That that was the stuff. Um, the Alarm. I mean, I just, it was just all that stuff. And then everyone's kind of tears for fears. The mm-hmm. other day, because my kids, we, they get on my, all our catalogs combined in the cloud, right? Yeah. And my kid comes up, awesome. Awesome. The first Tears for Fears album is like, I don't know what it's called, but it's fantastic. We were Songs from the Big Chair? No, that's the second album. Okay. Um, Which one's Shout Out? That's Songs from the Big Chair. That's also a great album. But the first album, it's... Oh, what's it called? Anyway, it... That first album is not as well known, but it is. They are so good. And then their last album, they were like, hey, we're the Beatles. And you're like, we're now going to sound like Paul and John. Mm. But then they, I don't think they ever, they did three albums, you know? Yeah. 
But um, that the the Brit that that's the stuff that I listen to the most. And, and you understand, I my sister's seven years older than me, and she would drive me around, and uh, in her uh, car was ACDC, uh, uh, Aerosmith, Walk This Way, Toys in the from the attic, all that late seventies rock. Oh, yeah, yeah. My sister, that's all I listened to, because otherwise I'd have to listen to the church music in my uh -huh. aunt's car. And my sister was a rapper. Rouser. She was the rebel in the family, and I was a good kid because she was such. She was the one who experimented with all the stuff. Yeah. And uh, I, had, I, I just saw like how freaked out my parents were. I'm like, I'm just gonna be a good kid and be the weird kid that likes comics. Mm -hmm. So um, you know, um, I don't know what where I got off on that tangent, but you asked me about music. But yeah, I mean, yeah. now I don't listen to anything. I just have I need back background noise, which is why for years I I, I started drawing in Starbucks mm -hmm. because something was always going wrong. It seemed made. What I was doing seemed less lonely. Now I just have TV on behind me all day. Do you get um, people come up to you in Starbucks and recognize you? No, no, no. People wanna. I, pe people on the internet would love it. I have my my buddy Murat was with me, so he was my witness. This old man, and by old I'm eighties. Mm -hmm. A couple years ago, I was drawn. I was actually inking a bunch of Image United pages. Mm -hmm. I had had my batch, so on my page is Sylvester, Larson, McFarnells, and myself. And he keeps peering over, and he gets up and he goes, Look, it's clear you, you've got a lot of problems with structure. You need to work on all this structure. So, some of this stuff isn't very good. And I said, Okay, sir, I promise to work on it. <laughs> okay, because there's some, there's some stuff that's off. And I was like, This is rad! Commentary on Image United. That's hilarious. There, there's some structural problems here. And I'm like, this is one for the record books. But no, most of the time people just want, I, the reason I stopped is because occasionally people want to talk to you about it and I don't want to talk. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to be bothered. My kids, okay, my spirit animal is Larry David. Uh -huh. um, every Curb Your Enthusiasm, my wife would go, oh my gosh, I mean, we have a lot of the, because he boiled down to the essence. I hate stopping chats. Yeah. Freaking hate them. Because my, my wife wants to stop and talk to everyone right. a lot. That's this now, guy. That's Brandon. And, and see, <laughs> all the comic book signing. Even even my friend Chase, my friend, even my son Chase goes, oh, mom's doing the stop and chat again. <laughs> we can't get from the Target to the store, from the grocery store, because she'll, she'll want to talk to somebody. She'll want to talk to somebody. I will, I'm like, I will walk as by you as fast as I can. I just, and so my kids are now deduced that I don't really like people, which is, I don't really like people. Um, I like comic book people because we all have something in common. But normal, everyday people bore the crap out of me. I'm not interested. Um, so, like, let's just move on. And it's funny because I've talked about Kirkman ever since he moved out here to the big city. And he's like, yeah, sometimes I go to dinner with these school folks. And Sorry, Robert. Um, yeah, they're kind of boring. So um, you're like, ah, now I'm a family person. I have to act like I like you. They don't even care about zombies. Yeah, that's it. That's it. You know? So. Now, Todd, you did some drawings with him. Yeah. Like, I think he inked you. Yeah. Early he, on. He, he would say, bud, let me have a crack. And a crack became like six or seven covers. And, um, you know, eventually I just, uh, he kind of, I learned from Todd, yeah. To uh, that I didn't need to, the best tools, but again, let me tell you something. Again, another conversation. Todd, uh, Todd and I would always go. There's only one good anchor, like in the business at the time we were coming up, and that was Scott Williams. 
and he kind of was spoken for, first with Will Spartaccio, and then later with Jim Lee. And uh, Todd's like, God, oh, this guy, you know, I don't want to be by this guy. And like Todd said, but you got to take the quill into your own hands. And eventually you just go, I am not liking what I'm seeing, so I'm making my own stuff. Yeah. And I may not be ready, and I may not be the same quality of anchor, but I can exact my vision. And, and again, like I can, with great pleasure, again, there's, 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 a, there's a great satisfaction in doing it your own way. And I know that I'm sitting here with guys who ink their own work. And it's like, you know that when you're inking your own stuff, you, you're hitting the marks the way you want the marks yeah. to be hit. And if there's something you don't do good, you know you're good at, you're good at covering it up. I can cover this up over here, and yeah, I'm not really good at drawing leaves, but I'll put shadows on the leaf. You know, I mean, it's fun learning everybody's tricks. Um, it strikes me as like kind of because my background is in indie comics, normally okay. covering indie stuff, and like, and that it's more the auteur technique where you're you're always inking your own thing. So it's always interesting to me because like having an inker really takes yeah. away your vision. I mean, you can have you know a terrible inker, or you can have like a Sinkevich who's and amazing, but it's going to look like a Sinkevich, right? right? And that's going to be kind of through his lens. No, exactly. And 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 trust me, man, the the Sinkevich New Mutants blew me away. I mean, I know where I was, time of day. Mm -hmm. There's, I have a weird power. I can tell you where I bought every single comic ever. What 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 market? What store? I can also tell you what seat and what theater I saw every movie. And my wife just thinks it's weird. I don't know what condition I have. But I mean that new mutant stuff when Sinkevich took over the mutants. I, I never even knew until years later that like some people didn't like it because I just thought it was a shot in the arm. The book I've never became, met those guys. <laughs> they, they, you know, they trust me. They existed. Um, hey, the worst, the worst male Marvel has ever gotten on an X Men book was when Mignola did the issue with me. Um, on X Force. Yes, and they they said that they an avalanche of they've never heard. Um, and again, like, I love Mike's stuff. Yeah. And Mike even called me up and said, because he wasn't getting a lot of regular work, and uh, he called me up and said, Hey, Rob, yeah, Bob says I should work with you. Yeah, everyone says your layouts are great, you know, and, uh, and I've seen them, and they're great. So maybe, maybe we could do an issue together. And I said, well, Bob loves you, Mike, and I love your work, so... He's a 40s gangster. Let's do it. <laughs> well, a little, little Edward G. Robinson, too. But, um, the, uh, and I said, okay, and... And I said, okay, I, I, it'd be my honor. So I laid out the entire issue. Now, he got angry because they wouldn't let him do the cover. Yeah. Um, and then somewhere in there, I wasn't credited with laying out every single panel, um, which he drew over my layouts. Then a couple years ago, I put them all online. I said, well, here's, because it was awesome to see what, how he interpreted them. Yeah. The gestures, the storytelling, the, the, the angles were all me, but Bob, to this day, Bob says it, it ruined their their friendship. Mike was so mad he didn't get to do the cover of the book. And I understand from the corporate point of view. It, okay, I had asked Bob for a film, but I saw how Keith Giffen had done them on the Legion. Was he'd do the first couple pages and then sandwich story in the middle. Yeah. So I said, hey, I'll just do the first two pages and the last two pages, and then we'll put Mike in the middle. And so, but they said the, uh, and again, I'm not telling you this in any shape or form to posture at any time that I am better than Mike. Yeah. Commenting on the Sienkiewicz thing. Mm -hmm. History, I get a lot of people go, man, I hated that Mike Mignola issue when I was a kid, but I didn't go to love his stuff till later and now. He's like one of my favorite artists and Hellboy's everything to me. Mm -hmm. So I mean, you know, just, I think people were conditioned to like that image style. I always and we about couldn't, that. 
Yeah. But just, yeah, I have a clear memory of Mignola being the guy that when he did a book, readers or the guys around me would just be like, oh, this guy. And now it's funny because his art's not really that different now. No, it's, it's colored a little better. It's, yeah, it's the coloring thing. Well, the ankles are skinnier. It's a little it's different. It's more stylized, but, but the venom that people had about his work, and it's, just, it's weird. People rewrite history. Well, there was a ton. Look, where, where did he become Mike Mignola? On his own property. Yeah, yeah. Be, trust me, there was a buddy of mine. I, I, I had really... Here's the flip. During Mike doing Cosmic Odyssey, mm-hmm. uh, I book. asked for all the pencils to be sent to me because I was doing Hawk and Dale. And you can see Hawk get bigger and bigger. And I, if, you, I, if I showed you pencils, I was drawing like Mike. Mm-hmm. Cut to Todd. What are you doing? What? The kids run from that crap. What are you doing? <laughs> don't do that. They run... Don't do that look. I still don't Stick. like the John Stewart Green Lantern because of how he acted in that. But see, Mike drew him. That, that again, Mike's gestures. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I mean, one of the best dark sides I've ever seen. But again, he had fallen out of favor on corporate comics. Mm-hmm. But with Hellboy, he has owned the world. Uh, I don't have movies and a cartoon. and I mean, Mike has. He created his own opportunities by... Again, breaking out. And if anybody listens to this and you're wondering maybe why the wheels are stuck at the corporation, it's because you go do your own thing. Mm-hmm. Try that out, you know? But it takes a big, bold, big, bold move. And you got to put on your big, your big boy pants when you step, walk out the door and go, I'm not going to kind of keep my toes in. I'm going to completely remove myself. Oh, yeah. And, and the freedom that you're going to get is amazing. I sat next to, this last week at uh, WonderCon, I was positioned... Uh, next to Dean White, who currently colors um, uh, science with Remender, what's it called? Black Science? Black Science, yeah. And I told Dean, I said, you changed the way I look at Ramita Jr.'s work. Mm-hmm. with, And then you see what a tremendous artist Dean is himself. Because mm-hmm. he like redraws on top of you with color. It's not quite painting, mm-hmm. but it's this incredible style that he has when it comes to coloring. Black Science is a pretty book. Oh, and, and Dean is a lot. Look, the, the, the line art is hugely accomplished, mm-hmm. but what he brings to the palette and then the rendering, and again, you just go, this guy is, um, sometimes, and it goes back to where you, like, in the indie, indie, in the indie world, it, I, I can only imagine, because I didn't like it. They're like, hey, we're shipping your pages off to this anchor, and you're like, no! And when I inked it myself, it looked the way I wanted it to look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... The Sienkiewicz thing led to the Mignola thing. But, like, you know, it's just these styles that in a snapshot in time were rejected because they like a certain. Had Mike done an issue of Spider Man? Oh my gosh, had he filled in for Todd? Oh, yeah. Same thing. They would have flipped. But Fabian called me howling, laughing. There was no concern. I was like, you can't believe, like, people are threatening to kill us. <laughs> and, uh, and, but again, people like a certain style of thing. Yeah. And, um, so, so. You know, I just, in by inking myself, that was again Todd, Todd, you asked me about Todd inking me, and the way he handled my work, he was very truthful, he, he, he was, he adhered to my lines and everything I wanted out of it, but he improv too, and seeing how he worked the quill, which was different than the traditional inking, because, mm-hmm. you know, do all the black issues, do all the black areas of the brush first, knock out your blacks, then draw, there was a style of inking, mm-hmm. and he was like, Todd and I ink the same. We like claw at the page. 
There's no, you don't hear that on my pages. You hear, because I'm digging in. That reminds me, I wanted to ask, do you make noises when you draw? I do not. Because that's a big thing for me. Um, <laughs> I wish I did. No, I'm very boring. Mm -hmm. I mean, extremely boring. Part of the energy you're getting is I was, the last four days, at a beach house mm -hmm. with my friend, kids and all their friends. Each got a friend. My daughter had a friend, my 11-year-old friend, and so I've been deluged in kid world. <laughs> and I'm like, and, and, and I've just been online trying to have a friend. <laughs> Half of Twitter is me just, is someone listening to me? I'm I can't talk to anybody here because there's no one here. Uh -huh. So I talk to this and occasionally someone goes, yeah! Yeah. Cool. There's well, a we showed up at the right time then. Perfect. Nice. Thank you for understanding about Monday. Because again, the, the, the place that we're get, getting came up at the last minute and uh, we had to go and, you know, oh, yeah, no, deal we with all, the seller, the seller calls the shots. We were so. all just like a little too excited about coming over here. Well, I'm very excited to have you. So yeah. what yeah, else are we doing? Quickly. Um, talking about Mignola and uh -huh. just how audiences responded to it, do you feel like you had to draw a certain way? Um, or did you want to play to an audience? No, I, I, well, I wanted to draw. If I, right now, Rob, if you had a magic, I would go, make me draw like Art Adams 1986 forever. <laughs> and I'd be like, bitchin', awesome! Everything looks like a classic X-Men cover. That is my favorite style of ever. Don't you have something that like, you like the best of ever? Like, that's my favorite style. Those classic X-Men covers, holy crap. Um, classic X-Men number one, and see, so he redrew it recently, and I'm like, yeah, I don't like that as much. Go back to that. Smaller back. paper. He drew differently. He drew differently. <laughs> yeah, no, he, really he now, you know, I, he probably now draws like Art Adams. At that time, he was pulling, and you can see this, again, Paul Smith, our, uh, uh, Mike Kaluta's line work, uh, and also a lot of Terry Austin. Terry Austin was incredibly influential as an anchor on Pencil. Yeah. What's that? There's a Spider-Woman annual that Michael Golden did that if you look at Avengers that... Avengers annual. Avengers Spider, Spider yeah. Woman's it's almost like the it's almost like looking at the granddad of what turned into that new mutant yes. annual, which is like for me the the single Arthur Adams book that you need. That's that's pretty yes. much all you need. No, most people say uh, New Mutants Avengers. I mean New Mutants X Men annual, the Asgard mm -hmm. Wars. Yeah, that is his quintessential. Yeah. And again, I, I think I, I put it on a I think I put it on a Facebook page. Uh, I had never shared it before, but I was at San Diego, summer of nineteen eighty five. Anna Senti was the editor of X-Men. So it's not the San Diego that exists today. It, right. it, these are, I mean, this was much more what a convention in 1985 would look. I mean, literally, there was no dressings on the table. It was just brown table next to brown table. Next to brown. And Anna Senti had all these pages, and she came over, and there was Joe Runstein, and there's Al Gordon, and there's, um, who else was there? Steve Leoloa, and guys, we got it. this book's gotta go out next week. Can you guys ink these in the hotel room? And Art was there too. Yeah. And she's like, are you okay with this? He goes, I'm fine. I know I was late. I made everyone late. And <laughs> so, she, and the next day I was, I made sure I, I was there as they all handed in their, I mean, they literally went up to their hotel after going out. And, and so that, there's no credits. I think it says, and friends. Mm -hmm. But um, there's like 20 pages in that X-Men annual. Mignola inked one. Uh, again, Al Gordon inked like two. They're great. Uh, Joe Rubenstein inked the, the the iconic shot of Storm with her hammer in the air. Oh yeah, in her Asgardian. That entire page is inked by Joe Rubenstein, whose style normally wouldn't fit with him, but he, he contoured to 
to art's work. I mean, for an Art Adams fan, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like Nirvana. Because I'm, yeah, I'm, I just graduated high school, so I was 17 years old and just, Art, I think, was like, oh no, that kid's coming over to my table again. <laughs> oh crap. He even goes, yeah, I remember you. He's like, you know. So, so I mean, t to me, uh, I just have always drawn like I wanted to draw. Last night on Twitter, somebody goes, have you ever tried to change your style? And I'm like, it's my way or the highway. Mm -hmm. If you don't like me, I don't care. I'm going to draw the way I like to draw. What about that shadow hop issue you did? Okay, that is me trying to do prank to make it interesting. Yeah. I didn't want to draw Shadowhawk like Jim Valentino drew Shadowhawk, yeah. which was a tradition in the way he was doing armor. And I said, this will just be me. I don't, I, I don't, it doesn't cost me anything because I'm not experimenting on the characters people associate with me. Mm. And uh, so I just did, you know, the cover and about five pages in there when I had the patience to pull it off. I did it. But again, like, Jim Lee called me up. Ha! You're gonna. This is the thing that's gonna break Frank. You doing him? And I'm like, you mean that letters column two months ago where he called you out for ripping him off? That didn't break him. <laughs> I'm gonna break him. Yeah, no, Jim. Serious. Let's yeah. read this out loud. Again, just what? But uh, yeah, that, that was, was fun. Really, that was really neat because like everyone kind of just did like they did their comic like yeah. in someone else's title, and that Shadowhawk was like. I worked in a comic store at that point, uh -huh. and it was really unusual, especially for, for what you normally draw. I, you know, like I said, admittedly, uh, hits and misses throughout the comic, but the cover, I nailed it. I was like, this looks cool. Again, it's the looks cool factor. Yeah. Every artist knows when a page leaves their desk that they don't like, but it has to go out anyway. And all you can do, I've always been, I, I figured out most of the guys that I loved in a 22-page comic had 11 good pages and 11 eh. and mm -hmm. the guys who had like 14 the, you know, the higher the better ratio and especially on New Mutants I was my New Mutants run corresponded with Eric Larson taking over for Amazing Spider-Man while Todd went off to do the regular Spider-Man mm -hmm. and we would compete our books came out in the same week every month it was like weird back then you knew exactly the week you were coming out mm -hmm. and it never moved and we hit our deadlines and Eric and I would compete this see how many cool poppy pages you know and that's that's i mean part of the the design aspect and people come up to me and they go i love your boom boom she seduced me and i'm like oh you mean when i put her in that giant mini dress and leaned her up against the whole page and she, i mean she's sexy it's to this day she's good looking and you go i connect with you little kid you 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 didn't know that little tingle that boom boom made you feel and, and Lightfeld made you feel that tingle and that's why you love me and that's why every year i come to the show you go can I draw, can you draw a boom, boom, boom? So I felt like, whoa, we're still doing this. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, um, you know, so I mean, it's, it's, it, but, but that was like, I've got a boom, boom. Uh, again, Louise had written the issue. She was dressing in uh, more fashionable. And again, you can see the eighties influence. I mean, she looks like, uh, she's in the Go-Go's meets Madonna. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, uh, but it, it was all about, and like Todd would be like, I made Mary Jane. I put her in fishnets. A leather mini, and like you can see, like she was disco dancing, and you're like, Todd, this is not a sex line. No, no, no. <laughs> but he was, he was, he was going. People are digging my MJ because uh -huh. she's. I mean, if you go back, I love you, Todd. She's a slut. His <laughs> MJ is like, how low can it go? Here, I've got my. I mean, she looked like she jumped out of the cherry pie video. Right. You know, like I'm ready to have at all you. 
hair bin. And Peter's like, what? But uh, <laughs> I'm just a so, boy photographer. Yeah. But I mean, Todd, Todd just introduced a new ink line, and I picked up on it. Because I couldn't ink like Scott Williams. And like I said, Scott Williams was, he was inking me. And again, calls. Rob, I'm not going to be able to ink anything else for you anymore. I'm, I'm, I've decided, he told me in 1990, I believe Jim Lee is the most important penciler of this age. And I am going to hitch myself to him. He, and I'm sure Scott would go, yeah, that's exactly right. That's what I thought. And he's inked him for 20 years. Yeah. So he was true to his work. Uh, and, you know, the thing is, Scott is a fantastic illustrator, too, which helps tremendously. But, um, you know, there was there's only one of those guys. And it's not like we, through the studio system, were able to... The one thing Extreme Studios, even one of the DC editors said to me, he said, Rob, all your guys hit their deadlines, and you had the best anchors, I mean, in the business. Because once Extreme shut down in like 97 Danny Mickey John Sabal Larry Stucker Norm Ratman these guys are still two comics a month slicking I mean these guys and I remember I would, the thing that I was the best at was teaching how to ink faces and, and these new guys I mean a guy like Norm Ratman and a guy like Danny Mickey I hired from comic stores uh, Danny was inking strictly backgrounds uh, being an, an assistant and he showed me what he could do on figures I go, you have got like a real flair. And I mean, Youngblood 3 is inked by Danny Mickey because I'm like, I can, I'm ready to give up. Yeah. He's going to work in the office next to me. But the one thing is, I've always inked my own faces. I go, I think the face is where the artist, the, the audience connects with you. Yeah. So I've always, I've never, I hate, it's the weirdest thing. One tweak, one off line, and you go, that's not the way I wanted the face to look. So I'm, I'm a stickler. But again, I'm I'm a, I'm a survivor, man. Like I I the thing if you would ask me what I'm most proud of, uh, there's a lot of my peer group. I won't name them all, but I could name ten guys that I broke in with who aren't doing comics anymore, who are just out of the biz, not hireable. Um, I've maintained a pretty lengthy career now. I mean, I'm at so if '86 I break in, '96, 2006. I'm almost, I'm, I'm looking, I'm at 28 years going on 30. Yeah. And I'll be here. You know, I, I love drawing comics and I've never, and, and I don't know what is in my DNA that I just don't give a shit when people give me shit. I think it's funny. It's like wrestling. It's like, you just go, cool, I'm your villain. I don't care. And I hope I have made haters along the way cry. And just, <laughs> I hope they have just been, I see how enraged they get. If something, if a good piece of news is associated with me. For instance, they announced Warren Ellis is doing Supreme. Mm -hmm. And I know that you personally, I think, had a lot to do with that just by us having a good relationship for three years because I know you guys knew each other prior to Profit. You you and him, you and Warren have... It's a little bit, yeah. But I just go, I, I think Warren pays attention. And I go, he really did leave that guy alone. Like, again, in our in our world of meddlesome, mm -hmm. um, you know, I was working for DC who now owns Jim Lee's characters, mm -hmm. and the guy that didn't create them, Didio was telling me how to portray Jim's characters. Yeah. Completely. When was the last time you saw Jim draw a Wildstorm character that he created? He just draws Superman and Batman. That's all. That's where the money is. It's, you said it, I didn't say it out loud. That's um, where the money is. <laughs> so, and, and, and the eyeballs, more importantly. Um, I mean, I would have... There's all, you know... With great power comes great responsibility. 
Jim, draw new gods. <laughs> get everybody to get a hard on for Jack's world. Yeah. I don't want to see you draw Superman and Batman again in my lifetime. Life, I, I don't. I don't need it. I have volumes of it. I know how it looks. None of the fun um, that was on his image book seemed to translate to his DC work, which is really surprising. Yeah. No, I think Hush is where he's like, cool. Like I told you, I get to go in mm -hmm. and mine the archives. I get Neil. I get Marshall Rogers. Mm -hmm. I get Dick Dillon. I get Jim Aparo. I mean, come on, man. I, the list is long. I get Bernie Wrightson. Right. I mean, and I get to put all that in here. Um, that stuff was great. Uh, the Superman, on the other hand, was pretty flat. I just, you know, Jim is a fantastic illustrator, but he certainly has no complaints. I always go, what do you criticize him? I just, he, as a figure, I think Scott Williams is right. As a figure illustrator, he's mm -hmm. one of the best. He, um, you know, and he certainly had some great rendering techniques that we all jumped on. But, I mean, like I said, Jim would... Uh, Somebody like Mark Sylvester who can draw me under the table. I think Mark can draw pretty much everybody under the table. Um, he, in 1992, they did the image tent, the image tent for us in Chicago. Right. Well, in between, like when we cool out, they have like a suite for us to just hang out in. And he goes, because Mark was not very welcoming to me. I represented the new age mm -hmm. that was taken away from him. And in the beginning, um, we did a couple store appearances, right. signings that he didn't even talk to me. Huh. There was like a bad blood. I was like the new, like, you new punk. I was the new guy taking his job as quarterback. Yeah. You know, and again, eventually Jim was, they're like, oh, Mark, we're moving you off the X-Men. And he was the king of comics on the X-Men. Mm -hmm. But I, I try and look at it from Mark's point of view. He, again, Mark is probably seven years older than me. That's a, that's, that's a lot mm -hmm. in terms of generational. And, yeah. So uh, he's looking at me like the young punk. Well, at this moment, in summer of 92, in the tent, he goes, I mean, I, I told him, he's leaning back there, he goes, hey, I'm on to you. I got your tricks. And I go, what? And he goes, I'll show you. And he showed me like five pages of Cyberforce. And I will show you the double pager of Cyberforce 1 with Ripclaw is mm -hmm. almost in the same position as I have my character Cougar in Youngblood. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, crap. Mark's figured out the bigger, better, bolder. Again, it, Image was all about turning the volume up. Yeah. Because comics were boring. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to crap on all the guys <laughs> who were doing the boring comics. Well, it's interesting with, with Sylvester because it's like he he managed to survive the big shift. He adapted. He, he totally adapted. But it's weird because he didn't. It's like comics have shifted again and he hasn't seemed to readapt it. His top cow feels like a little bit of yeah, a dinosaur. No, well, right Mark's tired. Mark's he's tired. He's movie stuff now, okay. isn't he? Well, it, no. Like it's a deal. Bro. Comics will burn your ass out. Yes. I, I'm like, hey, I've had a 28 year career. Mm -hmm. Mark, cut to Mark popping his head up. 36. I mean, he's <laughs> right. been in a lot longer. Yeah. I mean, I remember meeting Mark in Chicago of 1985 because my family during during the summer we'd go to Chicago visit family, and it was always during that Chicago con. So my first one was 85, and I remember Mark, and he was drawing King Conan, and he looked like King Conan. He looked like Schwarzenegger. He was gigantic muscles and he wore one of those remember they used to have tank tops that you didn't know how they hung on the strings yeah. and then they go way down it was like it said gold's gym i mean he happened <laughs> it was like he was wearing dental floss and he had like his sweet torn jeans yeah. and he'd talk real loud hey everyone slam his portfolio on the table and i was like oh my and uh 
he was he drew Conan and he was Conan. And uh, the thing is that uh, um, he was very much of a Buscema base mm -hmm. drawing. Mm -hmm. And it's I'm in this group on Facebook where we all admire the 70s, 80s stuff and 60s stuff that we grew up with. And these guys wax nostalgic about like some of the Buscema stuff and that stuff is exactly what we said about Garcia Lopez and exactly what we said about Alex Ross. Immaculately well illustrated. Also, boring! Um, boring! If everyone is doing Buscema, nothing is interesting. Yeah. Okay? So Todd and Jim and myself and Larson, we come along. And we're like ready to break it out and draw big and big, big. We want big fight scenes because I'm not stupid. I've seen John Byrne. There's a John Byrne panel. He must have drawn it three other times. Mm -hmm. It's swinging, looking here. It, it's Iron Fist. It's yeah. Wolverine. It's Colossus. I'll go down and get it and go, there it is. <laughs> it's always, and then this guy's head is going, from shot from here. So this side of me. And I'm like, I can't do that. I've got to do something bolder. Mm -hmm. We've all seen the tricks. We've got to bring new tricks to the table. I'm certainly not going to do Perez's trick. I can do 19 panels a page. I'm not doing 28 panels a page. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not going to happen. So we're not going to avoid George. He has his. I can do more panels than you think. And John, we've already seen how John choreographs. I think everybody thought that there was a little left in the Miller tank because he was so amazing. Um, and right before Image came out, that Electra Liz graphic novel came out. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I probably had a heart attack. I'd like open the page and go, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing book. Again, design sense, gestures. Um, I talked to Frank, I talked to, I, in, in the 90s when Frank did some covers for me, I talked to him about comics and he's like, Rob, Rob, you have Jim Lee, I had John Byrne. I'd go into the offices, everyone would tell me how beautiful John Byrne's pages are. I knew I couldn't do that. I had to do something else. He goes, you figured it out too. You took your own way. You took your own path. And, because uh, again, I think Jim Lee and John Byrne were like the, the uh, style guides of their era, of what everyone aspired to. But I'm like, I can go bigger, bolder, louder. And then when Sylvester goes, I also can go bigger. I'm like, oh, this sucks. Because mm -hmm. he's really good. <laughs> like, if he's figuring out my shit, I'm done. It's um, also just a little, they're also the good corporate guys. And you and Miller aren't. Yeah, that's right. Well, well we're just cantankerous. Yeah. Um, and you're really, you, like, you're a really nice cantankerous, Brandon. Like, you're, <laughs> on Twitter, you're such a, you're such a like, a, 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 a pot stirrer. But you're such a nice guy. Like, I always say people don't know the tone I say anything. When I when yeah. I shit talk these guys, I went to Adventure Time and I was mean to one of the guys there. And people don't realize that when I shit talk, it's all deadpan, like, yeah. like um, you know, like eat a bag of dicks. But I'm not like yeah. yelling. Oh, I love it. <laughs> the the uh, it, I mean, it's what makes it fun. And like, like I said, why? Do you do... Okay, so I'll get to that later. But uh, I'm just <laughs> telling you. So I and, and what I realized the other day was what my era, Todd would go. But have you seen? Akira, Akira, and that's how he said, Akira, oh my god, look at this background, look at this, look at this, and he would like bring me, because Eclipse, or no, Epic was starting to reprint the Akiras, and then I'd go up to WonderCon mm -hmm. with Larson, Larson's like, have you seen this? You'll totally love this, and he handed me Fist of North Star, he's like, I love it, every ten pages, he's just walking down a road, and a new guy steps in his way, and they fight, and it's awesome, and then they walk down another ten pages, and there's a new guy, and they fight, and I'm like, Okay, Fist of North Star is awesome, but so now there in, in here in Orange County, there's a couple of uh, like I, I call them Asian markets, 
And so in the like 87, 88, I started going to these Asian markets and I would just be like buying two, $300 of books that are all wrapped in plastic that I can't get to, but I go based on the cover, I think I'll like this. Yeah. Well, one of those was Appleseed. And I was telling my wife the other day, you understand, the biggest influence on Rob Liefeld, New Mutants X-Force, is Appleseed. Um, that dude with the rabbit ears. Um, yeah, that's Cable. I, I showed my wife, uh, 28 years, I go, Joy, let me take, take, take rabbit ears, robot guy, and let me cover him. Now put Bruce Willis's face on him. <laughs> cable, cable. Oh, um, but I was like, I was like, I'm going to. There was an energy. The bottom line is, it's not the big reveal on this podcast. Rob Liefeld ripped off Appleseed. Really, if you didn't know that, you're a moron. But um, the thing is, we were taking from sources and interjecting in, yeah. into our traditional comics work. And some of it was ugly. Some of it was crude. Some of manga is crude and not exactly pleasing. But it's got an energy to it and a boldness. And that's what we all started doing. And to, like for to Todd, Japanese comics was speed lines. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if Todd's incorporating them. I'm incorporating them. Yeah. And uh, then, like, for me, the, the apple the apple seed shoulder pads and the face gear, I was like, this kind of reminds me of Kirby. So I'd run back to my forever people mm-hmm. and all my new gods. And I'm like, okay, I'm looking at these in a totally different way. Um, and like Todd says, people get hung up on Kirby's giant knees, yeah. the kneecaps, and the squiggles, and they don't see the gorgeous drawing. And, I mean, I can tell, I can show you issues of forever people and with a beautiful dreamer trying on clothes, she's the most beautiful woman ever drawn in a comic. And I mean, she's gorgeous. Jack could draw crazy, but then he'd also go, I'm also going to give this guy a three-story headdress uh-huh. and shoulder pads that weigh 300 pounds and he will function in them. And I mean, I mean, the Galactus helmet, say no more. That's yeah. awesome, <laughs> you know? Um, but th- we tried to, Jam all that on the page. And you know what happened? Fans went crazy wild. And you know why they went crazy wild? Because they were bored to death. Uh, the one guy, Todd, Todd used to always say, Oh, bud, I'm following Sabiak. Sabiak. His name was Alex Sabiak. Mm-hmm. And he was drawn Spider-Man. And it was very classically drawn. Nothing wrong with it. But I think Todd's like, I'm going to do the Art Adams, Michael Golden webbing. Yeah. But I'm going to do Spider-Man like in giant double-paged poses you'll never be able to do. Todd used to always say, I could draw a splash page of Thor picking his nose and everyone would love it because I would get right in there in the nose, the nose hairs, the boogers, the fingertips. The, and I'd be like, I get what he's saying, his attention to detail and the shot he picked. I, w- I wouldn't argue with him. But I mean, what happened, then obviously image became a bad thing, which is BS. What, what happened is the other corporations realized we can... Blame everything on image. Right. And again, you know, we we just do a whole podcast on retailers. Um, but uh, and 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 the impotent ones, the the angry ones, the really good ones, which we need more of. Yeah. The innovators, the the guys who truly enjoy it, and, and I love talking to those guys. But then there's angry retailer guy, and I pissed a couple of them off in my life. I mean, I, I we had yelling matches on the same on the convention flute floor yeah. room and it wasn't over my artwork it was what they wanted to buy my preview copies of Captain America Heroes Are Born for and I wouldn't give them their price mm-hmm. and big Chicago retailers said I'm going to make sure your name is ass and I said have fun and I mean if I, the only thing I would do but um, note to Liefeld make less enemies mm-hmm. earlier in your life 
Because I'd be like, now we're at, I would tell everybody off. Like, I'll go after you. Yeah, I'll go. <laughs> I've slowed it down a little in my old age. But like I said, Twitter is the new, like, oh, uh, yeah, if you only saw all the stuff I delete, don't yeah. say that. But you're making friends, too. So it's like. Well, you know what people like? People like boldness. And the other thing, Todd and I, they used to let us talk. And people weren't so scared. The skies was the limit. Um, when, when you're, so I'm 22. Mm-hmm. When X4 sells. Five million copies. I know that nine months, because Marvel paid nine months on royalties. I knew at that point that I'm getting a check for a million two. One mil, one point two million dollars is going to come to me mm-hmm. in nine months, and that's when I said, "I that's my get out of here money." It's a lot of um, Gatorade. Well, yeah, it's 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 a lot of freedom. Yeah, and. You know, Image Comics was born on a bunch of guys going, I can sweat if they're if they get mad at me. Like Todd goes, Ah, so what if Marvel hates us? Uh-huh. DC if we fail, DC will take us. Like yeah. it was like there's always an option. Yeah, totally. And nowadays I go, there's all these tremendous indie options, you know? Mm-hmm. It, um and and it's just the same as it was back then. Mm-hmm. Except they oh never mind. Oh, there we go. That reminds me of the one thing I had to delete from Twitter, Twitter recently. What's that? <laughs> Somebody, I uh, I was talking about Image, and I was like, I love working at Image, and I was like, the great thing about Image is they're always going to publish me, even if they don't like me. And I was like, they published Straczynski, of course. They nobody but likes no, him. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and I got a call, and I was like, uh, and they're like, that's going to come back to us. And I was like, nobody listens to me. And they're like, well, and I was like, I talk so much shit. That's funny. See, I, the, I love the honesty. There's. I realize sometimes you're giving, when people come after me mm-hmm. relentlessly, I get it kicked out of it. And yeah. everyone who knows me, I go, I love that this guy's obsessed with me. It's not I need the attention, it's just the the whole sports thing of, I got you. Yeah, I got under your skin, mm-hmm. and that's why you, mm-hmm. I've, I, people, we used to go, well, what do you think about the people who don't like your work? I said, well, I've gone to NBA games and screamed at NBA players mm-hmm. from two rows behind their bench, and one guy looked behind me and made a fist like he was going to lunge at me. And I said, come on, let's go, let's go, I need the money, do it, do it, whatever. And uh, and because I was like, you suck, you suck, you guys had a lead, you suck, no wings for you, Lakers. And I mean, they were like, I can't take this guy. And, and I'm like, now, if you ask me, is he talented? Absolutely, the guy is a phenomenal basketball player, but he plays against my team, and I hate him. And I mean, I hate him like I could burn him, like, like, the entire Houston Rockets team, if you murdered them, if they all dropped dead on the court, I would be like, awesome, yes, done. I don't have to deal with these a-holes. Like, I hate them all. Like when they make their shots and they do their donkey face, I'm like, die. I was like the wrath of God would, lightning. I'm I'm like, you know, I'm just, I'm like, enemies, be gone. So I understand when people direct hate at you. I get it. Um, it's, it's, It's thrilling, it can, but some people, there's a guy in this business that I think he couldn't take it. His name was Chuck. Uh, for a while, his name was Chuck Beach, and then he changed it. Chuck Austin. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He got so much vitriol. Deserved or not. Have some of his porn. I don't care. Yeah. Well, he did. <laughs> under Chuck Beach, me this black and white independent comic called Hero Sandwich. Uh-huh. And I thought it was genius. You got a copy in the car. Do okay. Yeah. So, so Hero Sandwich. I thought, I remember calling Malibu Comics going, you know, who is this guy? And talking to the publisher. And mm-hmm. long story short, 
So he gets to draw, write and draw, in the early 2000s, he did some Superman, some X-Men, people hated it, he ran out of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he couldn't take, and, and you go, you have to take the good with the bad, man, there's lots of people out there who enjoy our work, and no one agrees on anything. Mm-hmm. That's just, no one, no one agrees on Jack Kirby. Why, are they gonna, why do I care if they agree on me? Oh, yeah. um, but like I said, with, with what, I'll tell you, the number one reason I love The Prophet, from the outset, I'm like, Simon's got this European line that he's bringing to it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I, 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 if I, if I missaw Mobius, I, I missaw him, but I saw some of that in there. <laughs> then, you've got like this anime manga stuff, uh-huh. and I'm like, oh yeah, this is my whole, life. this is where I live. I mean, this is, that's the stuff, it's interesting to me. And because armor, you know, gear, tech, mech. I mean, that issue that you drew. I mean, it, it's all tech and mech and the pod. And you go, yeah, I totally love this stuff. This, that's what, when everyone else was getting off on, you know, mainstream comics, I was over. I mean, I, I, part of me has been to conceal. Like, I don't want everybody looking at what I'm looking at. Because you, you kind of like your secret sash, right? Yeah. Sure. And, uh, but it's, I mean, it's too late. I mean... Middle of the 90s when Bastard hit. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. I, I, I may have like Xeroxed an entire book up to <laughs> my 17 and pasted in my office. I'm nice. like, oh my gosh. You might have. It's hard to remember. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. I might have photos of that or someone does. But no, I mean that, that and, and I just, you know, like I said, that jet, they have a lot more energy in their books. They know how to, everyone's always leaping in the air. Mm-hmm. Rising just strikes someone down. And like that excites me. Yeah. And then this age of comics came in where blah 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 blah. Let's all talk about Tarantino mm-hmm. and show off what great writers we and are. That sucks for a monthly book. Oh, you're, you're it's, got its, it's got its place, but it's not my thing. Yeah, well, it's. I just remember reading a Daredevil where it was Kingpin and a guy, and they're just like, they're like, and what do you mean? And the guy's like, I mean what I say. And he's like, wait. What do you mean again? And you're like, like who's on first? Yeah, exactly. And you're like, this is a monthly book. You're eating up people's lives with these pages. Every oh. every line of fumbling dialogue just costs someone thirty five cents. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I mean, it, comics became safe and boring. And I will tell you, there is one. Uh, night, no, two thousand was the last. From two thousand to two thousand three, I didn't. Uh, I came home, summer 2000, mm-hmm. and I said to my wife, I'm getting out of comics. Uh, the, the top selling book is selling 90,000 copies. In 10 years, we have just collapsed. The business mm-hmm. collapsed. And I think that was like an issue of X-Men is number one at 90,000. This business, I truly did believe it was going under, and I'm gonna tell you right now, that summer at San Diego Comic-Con in 2000 was the most depressing. Every publisher was doing bad. Every artist yeah. was doing bad. I mean, you want to hear the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And I said, Joy, we have never lost money at comics, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to start. So while the going's good, I'm just going to pull out and try and write, do something else. But I'm going to take a sabbatical. So from 2000 to 2003, I didn't do anything. I just we my son was born in May of 2000, so mm-hmm. he was already two months old when I came to that conclusion. Chase was born in 2002, and then Olivia was born in. 18 months later. So you just go, uh, I decided to raise a family, get away from comics. But in 2002, I went incognito. And my buddy said, you cannot go incognito. And I said, watch me. 
And I went and I got one of those hats with the long Hessian hair. Nice. And I go, this looks stupid. I, I, I can't pull this off. So I said, screw that. You know what I'm going to do? I put on a button-up shirt like you're wearing. And I buttoned it all the way up to the collar. Mm-hmm. I put on glasses. And I put on a hat that went all the way down to my brim. Uh-huh. A guy who I was, my, my buddy who said I couldn't pull it off, walked past me in the lobby to give me my badge because he was giving me a badge from his uh-huh. table. Walked past me three times like looking for me. And I went, Jimmy. And he goes, oh. Comes over. Whoa, you were, you're right. And so then I went and sat in front of his brother in their table and asked him questions about comics. And I really got like, people don't, I, they can't recognize me. I mean, my hat is all the way down my forehead. I've got glasses on. I'm, oh, and I wore my bag like over my, I, I, yeah. I just did things I never did. Like, I never expect Rob Liefeld to wait in line and go talk to him about comics. And I went up and I stood right to the side of the Marvel editor. And I was so curious, I did it again with the DC editor. And they both said the same thing. Guys had samples. And the DC editor goes. Look. Well, this is not what we want. You're looking at a lot of image comics. I can see you got a lot of Liefeld McFarlane influence. We don't want that. That's not that's not gonna float with us anymore. Go draw from photos, go draw from realism. That's what Marvel wants. And, and, and resubmit some new stuff. But but all this this image comic stuff, and I'm looking down, and it's competently drawn, but it's very splashy. And I'm like, wow. And I mean, I'm as close to the editor as I am to Simon. I'm just standing. I'm just standing there, arms folded, going, look at that there. The editorial directive is don't do, you know, image. And then it's not it's not an accident. We all went away for about four years. Right. Mark didn't work, I didn't work. Campbell didn't work. McFar- we were all in hibernation. I think we were burned out from the decade and just were starting new chapters in our life. But DC guy, a, a little more, uh, he was a little more adamant mm-hmm. about same thing. Don't draw this image crap. Mm-hmm. We don't. And it was like, it was like the publishers had regained control. Mm-hmm. Image was no longer important and they wanted to uh, completely get away from that 100%. And I'm telling you, those comics from 2000 to 2003 reflect that boring sensibility. The, 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 the comics are stale. Um, there's some interesting stuff going on in the indies. I don't remember what the mainstream stuff was like. That. There's a reason you can't remember it. it it's very... Well, dull. that's when Marvel was on the verge of bankruptcy, wasn't it? They just come out of it. Okay. They just come out of it. Because I got the call they were going into bankruptcy. I, my, my contract with Heroes Reborn, I was one of their top ten corporate contracts. So anyone with a contract had to get called. They called me Christmas Eve, 1996, to tell me that on January 2nd they would be filing. And I even said, why are you calling me? Because you're con- you have a contract with us. We have to call our contract with people first. I'd appreciate if you give. And I, my wife, we had friends over. She goes, what was that? I go, Marvel's going bankrupt. I go, she goes, what does that mean? I said, I'll be out of Heroes Reborn by next week. And then I, I haven't yet. I'm still trying to navigate my way through all my contracts with Marvel, I, I try and err on the side of being uh, discreet. But they sent me a letter uh, that I have that is hysterical um, in 19, early 1997, so right after bankruptcy, and uh, citing my low sales on Captain America of 270,000 copies. And that, that this was not what we, that they had anticipated. Yeah. And I'm like, they would never sell that much, ever. Again, mm-hmm. like it's it's in the capsule. Like yeah. you go, yeah, damn it, 
I was only selling 275 <laughs> of a book you were selling 20 of yeah. before I got on. 20,000. Um, and I know a lot of that. I know a, there, there was a Captain America was the bold. To this day, I'd also go back and go, Jim really wanted Captain America. I should have given it to him. I should have done a Fantasy Four. I wanted Fantasy Four too, but I just felt like I've got a story that I want to tell. But Heroes Reborn, that put us in a position to really piss people off, I think. Because, um, I mean, we, Jim and I went to Marvel to do interviews. And, I mean, you want to, it, it was almost like they were coming out of the office to stay on us. East Coast Marvel hated us because they were giving us four books, giant contracts. And before the bankruptcy, they were going to give us both three more books. Um, and again, after the bankruptcy, they wanted to renegotiate my contract down. And I said, how about I just leave? That'd be great. Because I promised all these rates to everybody. And now you're telling me I've got to go to everybody and say, oh, I have to pay you 50, 50 cents on the dollar now because Marvel wants to pay me 50 cents on the dollar. So we're done. And it was just easier to exit. And I was like, and I'll handle this by issuing a press release. Rob leaves Heroes Reborn. Like, you know, oh, no. Uh, Marvel, I, I put out my own saying, Marvel removes Rob. Because I said, I have no problem with Image. No way. I left. There was no, there was no, they decided. They were like, don't leave, don't leave. Okay. I mean, again, Larry Martyr called me, Rob, you have 30 books that you put out through our imprint. Each one of those books pays us 2,000 2, flat fee to the office. I need X amount. Don't leave. So the whole idea, oh, you, they, they, they kicked you out. Really? How much of my documentation do you want to see? But with Marvel, I said, I'll be happy to tell everyone you fired me. Mm -hmm. I'll be happy to tell you, everyone, my low sales were not enough. And, you know, and they're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to tell the truth. And it's like, because I knew, like, that's not going to end well for you. Actually, my stuff had a following, that stuff, but you, this is part one. And uh, one guy said, Jim is going to take these books in an attempt to get a bigger contract from them and they don't understand they've already they're gonna whack him so Jim took the $57 deal and then told me that he did it because of our falling out through image and I'm like I, you don't need to justify I don't care yeah like th there's no crying um, I, and I got to do what I wanted to do on Fighting American which was a fantastic I could actually joust Marvel in court and beat them mm -hmm. and Fighting American did not have a shield he did not carry a shield prior to my Fighting American. And they go, we want a victory. No, you didn't. You tried to stop me from distributing the book. Their caveat was, Fighting American can't throw the shield. And I'm like, but can I have the shield fire missiles? And they're like, yes. <laughs> and I'm like, cool. I won't throw the shield, but my shield fires missiles. <laughs> there it is. So, but I'm like, but let's not forget that Fighting American now has a shield. So, I mean, and that was a court. Yeah. Like, they dragged me into court for that, and the judge was like, I will let Fighting American, as Liefeld has envisioned it, be released. But again, you know what? The net wizard, again, the scourge of the industry, they, they are, there's some things you just point to and you go, they were horrible. Yeah. And the, the guys in my studio, I would try and like help them cope, but they wanted wizard to love them. And so I saw how they courted. Wizard, no one liked wizard. Like I worked at conference. Fans did. I don't understand it. I, I, well, it's the same with Bleeding Cool. I'm Canadian, so... Yes, yeah, see, I, I'm telling you, Wizard, there was a period in the early 2000s, Wizard... Oh, I know. It's just for me... Outsold like, every comic book. Yeah. They became... 
it would be, you know, but I'm just, you know, yeah, it, it's all probably buying it. I don't do their shows. I won't do their shows. Yeah. I don't, you know, I yeah. feel like that there's still that family still exists and they can yeah. do their shows and have their conventions. But I, I've got to like uh, the it was five years ago when they went under was just a fantastic, you know. I remember their top ten writers and artists kind of not lining up with what people were always reading too. Oh no, it was who they liked. Yeah. Oh no, no, they they well they, the whole. Valiant thing came because the guy owned tons of Valiant comics that's and needed to sell them. That's correct. So we said Valiant that's comics correct. were hot and fucked up a lot of shit with that because okay. it's a whole other story. Wait, so I shouldn't buy all these Valiant books? <laughs> buy the Bear Winter Sweat stuff. Okay. Archer Armstrong. Yeah. Okay, I get is, to read about that. That is brilliant. I know. Barry like found himself. He's the guy like we should do like a search party for him. Like he's just going he vanished. He vanished. But he is I think Fantagraphics is still in touch with him. Yeah, I mean, fell into some kind of barbarian Conan world there. Probably. Yeah. No, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Um, on the note of the Captain America stuff, yeah. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on Sean Howe's uh, Marvel history book because it was pretty brutal. On oh you. no, he is. Uh, look, Sean and I have had words. Yeah. He tries to step to me. He, that book is full of absolute lies, mistruths. Um, Look, he 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 clearly got in with Marvel, yeah, um, and tried to present their version of events. Um, I mean, I think the guy is a pawn scum. Um, he did not talk to any of us. I'm gonna go write a book about Brandon and never talk to him. That's what yeah. he did. He didn't talk to Todd. Didn't talk to me. Didn't talk to Larson. But he he wanted to interpret. I know. I saw. I saw. Someone showed me where he implies that I killed Mark. Yeah, Green and Hall. that was. Just, I mean, that's horrible. It that's was just pretty over horrible. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's why I tell people it sends shockwaves when I go, you know who gave me my first job at Marvel? He stood up and shook my hand and I didn't know what was going on. It was the very first WonderCon. I had been turned down. Not turned down. I wasn't even considered. Everyone was too bothered to look at samples. Yeah. Kamiko, First Comics, Dark Horse. Oh, th- uh, no thanks, no thanks. You know, mail them in, mail them in. Long story short. And then Dick Giordano goes, kid, mail your stuff in. Maybe I'll give it a look when we got back to the office. So then I go wait in the line. My, my buddy wouldn't let me leave. Go wait in the Marvel line. And I go, oh, I'm just going to get reamed. This is like, good. I get to drive home. We drove six hours from here to get to Oakland. And I'm like, it's going to be a miserable drive. I wait. And Mark Grunwald looks at my young blood samples. Looks. He like shuffles them like he's shuffling cards. Keeps them. And then he stands up and does like the rise. I'm like, what's going on? And he goes, welcome to Marvel Comics. <laughs> and I said, what? And he goes, welcome to Marvel Comics. We're, we're, it's a pleasure uh, to have your work published by us. We will send you a solo Avenger story. Come back in 10 minutes and I'll have some handbook uh, entries for you to do. I want you to start first immediately. And that six hour drive home was like an, an hour to me. Yeah. My buddy who now is a, uh, I mean, I think he's a president at DC Comics, his name's Hank Canals. He was he was the other guy who drove up there with me. He witnessed all of it. He's the guy who told me to go stand on the line. So it's like Mark Mark Runewald gave me my first job. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, God bless Mark, he stayed too long in that book. Cap Wolf is why Heroes Reborn happened. Mm. Um they came and they're like, oh, he's uh he's turned Captain America into a werewolf. We just gotta outsource this. We gotta change it. We gotta change the culture. Yeah. But I mean, there's cap, cap, armor, 
I mean, they did some crazy stuff in the '90s. They put themselves in that hole. Mark Rowe is a nice guy, but I saw so I didn't know it, know it until somebody sent it to me online, but like. Mark Grunewald saw Heroes Reborn and had a heart attack. Oh, yeah. come on. You know, I've never read Catwolf, but having you say they turned Captain America into a werewolf, I'm like, you gotta go oh, read it. Right, that sounds good. <laughs> I got some, I was at a convention uh, in January and I bought a bunch of those Catwolves. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> in, in, one, in one issue, Cable um, fights Catwolf. So nice. Know, this is perfect. Um, but the thing is that uh, I just, you know, that book is, it's just a bunch. We will have our say. We, the business of comics, I mean, we really upset the apple cart. Image mm-hmm. comics, nobody saw it coming. We are literally that giant boulder that comes down the hill and wrecks your town. And lets you pulls through and just devastates like, what's going on here? And everyone's like, where'd that come from? And now we have to deal with it. So, I mean, I just think that uh, we upset a lot of people. We upset a lot of business people. We took a lot of market share. We were the number two company three months in. Yeah. Again, I don't think people understand. We re- leapt over DC Comics, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Justice League. We, with seven comics, yeah. sold more units than their entire company because the fans loved us and they craved us. And like I said, Young Bud Number One, I showed up at Golden Apple. There's two thousand people standing in line. We signed for eight hours. Young Bud Two is in a tent in Chicago where I did a twenty-four hour signing. Nice. Twenty-four hours. And the line never ended. I, I signed from 8 a.m. to 8 a.m., you know, and I got on a plane and I went home. And those people, to this day, they tell us their memories. We, we represented something fresh, something new. Um, even in the universe of the X-Men, what drove the X-Men, starting with the new X-Men, was the sense of new and exciting. Yeah. And Claremont had gotten kind of taken with just female characters mm-hmm. and he had kind of lost the no one was pushing him. he was comfortable when with, with, with cable there's no cable without days of future past yeah blowing my mind the idea of a future mutant and uh all the cable there's no Shatterstar without our long Longshot I'm like yeah. I'm gonna make another character from the Longshot universe I mean again we put I knew what I was up against I knew what I needed to add to the legend I did my job I was a great employee they paid me, I delivered. And the fans got that connection with us. And then when we went and did Youngblood, uh, Image and Youngblood and Spawn, we gave them exciting new worlds. We really did destroy each other. I was there, I saw it happen. Yeah. The jealousy, the rivalries, and when the numbers, I mean, it's pathetic. The numbers, my buddies tell me, Rob, we remember you going to the de- bullpen and going, oh my gosh, the numbers came in. It's terrible. And you, say, you go, what's it selling? <sighs> We're selling 350000 It's terrible. <laughs> um, and you go, wow, what a loss of perspective we had had. Because yeah. we measure ourselves by our millions of sales. And so suddenly we had lost perspective. I mean, I, I, I can tell you, we lost perspective. When 300000 is a bad number, and you go, wait, I'm getting $1.50 a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great number. Like, you know, suddenly, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, 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 it, we lost perspective, you know, it was, it was the symptom of the time because Valiant, Image, DC, and again, that summer the Youngblood came out, Marvel then, Youngblood came out in, in, in March, last mm-hmm. week in March, and sold many comics, sold through, blah, 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 Marvel four weeks later announced their summer crossover on all their annuals was called New Blood. 
Uh-huh. DC announced that all their annuals was a, was a storyline called Blood Ties. Yep. And I go, they're gunning for me. They're trying to neutralize my blood type. Like, you know, <laughs> try and be 22 going, I am the focus of two corporations' ire. You right. know? And I, I was there when Todd said, look at the letter I got, bud. Look at everyone. And he read it. Dear Mr. McFarlane, your plagiarizing will not be tolerated. Your trademark <laughs> infringement skeleton draws from our trademark protected Ghost Rider and our trademark protected Punisher. And again, this Todd got the pick, got a, he goes, what's a piece of paper and a sharpie? And he goes, dear Mr. Self-Important Marvel Lawyer, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Sign Todd McFarlane. That's Hutzpah, bud. Yeah. That's business. Yeah. And you don't get that in the Sean Howe book. Because yeah. Sean Howe is a weaselly piece of crap. And decided to just make up lies about us. Was not there, didn't understand what, if you don't understand the magic, and you understand how the magic was made, you can't tell people the tricks. You just can't. And we, hopefully what you've learned is a genuine, genuine passion and desire. We loved comics. We loved mashups of manga and uh, probably 70s concepts and 70s Kirby. Yeah. And, uh, and it could have not worked. It just happened to work. Cable in another universe, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Yeah. But I also knew, my, I was gunning with Cable and Wolverine. I said, I want the next. Cable and Deadpool, I told Bob, I want the next Wolverine. I think I can, because I had been a student. I had learned what I love about Wolverine. Okay, after him slashing you to bits, that only goes for a few pages. But there's a mystery to him. Who is he? The mystery, the layers they kept peeling away. Misdirection. And I go, with Cable, we're going we're gonna to mislead you. We're going to mislead you forever. And uh, they... Uh, Robert Kirkman, again, one of the smiles of when I met him in 2002. He said, let me tell you, man, you're the inspiration for my Invincible. And I said, oh, I can't wait to hear this. I, what? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I, I, I go, you mean like you're doing a Supreme because I did a Supreme because it's kind of like Superman? No, no, no. He goes, uh, that issue where Omni-Man reveals to Mark that like, he's a supervillain. And like, he'll kill him. He doesn't follow him. He goes, man, that's all me being influenced by New Mutants 100, dude. When Strive took off the mask and he was Cable, he goes, I wet my pants. And I'm like, <laughs> awesome. You owe Kirkman a pair of pants. Yeah, there you go. Like, you go, <laughs> that, that's, I had a connection with, oh, I call him Bobby K. He hates it. I go, Bobby K, what's up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like, all right, do you want to live now? Because I have Hitman lined up on the cliff that can take you out. He called me Bobby K. But, um. <laughs> I mean, it's just, we had a connection. And that's why um, I would go to store, to store, to store, to convention, to convention. And I go, there is a fear when you drive up and there is a store that can only handle like 100 people. There's 300 people spilling out on the street. Yeah. There is a fear innate. Like, I hope I don't disappoint these people. Why are they here for me? And, um, you know, like I said, there was, again, I always, I don't know what it is. I just always want to underscore that, like, I guess there's so much. People just bullshit so much that I always want to go, no, there was a witness. There was a witness. Celestri, like I said, the store appearance, like he wasn't really uh, paying any attention to me. Or uh, That was like when New Mutants 94, I think, with Wolverine and Cable came out. And that's when like the, the crowd's like, oh, the, the store owner's like, well, we've never had this many crowds before. You and Mark. And, and again, again, we're the same. He's the, the top of the peer group, and I'm like the, the last guy in. Like we... 
that that's our age. Mm -hmm. But um, I mean, we were there. We saw it. We saw the connection, and it's why it's why, like I said, no amount of, no amount of bashing of our era will do us in because it's romanticized too. I mean, we are now a generation ago. And that generation's grown up, and what do we all fondly remember? Our childhoods. Where is your childhood? It's with me and Todd and Jim Lee and Silvestri. And I mean, and I'll, I'll say it absolute confidence. We were the best of our age. We could entertain better than anybody. We knew how to excite you with the action, intrigue you with the mystery, and leave you with a great cliffhanger. And what's, a, is that, isn't that what a comic's supposed to be? I mean, I didn't know that comics were made for lectures. Well, let me tell you why I broke down this scene on page 10, this, this scene between these two men sitting at a desk. I mean, no wonder comics were going down to 90,000 in 2000. I mean, I think while we turned our back on the excitement that comics can provide, video games stepped in and said, we got this. Yeah. You know many video game guys? Uh, guys from Gears of War are like, dude, I worship Cable. I'm like, really? I... I I don't see what's on the screen. He, he has shoulder pads and giant guns and, I mean, <laughs> that, that, that's cable. Um, you know, he, oh, he's got a scar on the other eye. I got it. Message received. Um, and one guy goes, I love cable and death blow. Oh, really? Because that other guy doesn't look like death blow? I mean, we had our impact and those guys are now gamers and, and I'm telling you, it, when people would call and want to make movies of the image stuff I was doing back then and I would just turn them down. I knew it would be horrible. Yeah. At the at the time, they were doing Burton's Batman, and what I saw in my mind was something that Cameron would make, but they did not have a Cameron sensibility to superhero movies. They thought Bow Pam, Bam, and Pow was still you know, and Joel Schumacher didn't help me. I mean, look, they stopped making superhero movies for two and a half years, and then Singer's X Men kind of reignited the flame and showed that like, but that book that they gave him no money. They meticulously managed that movie because, again, they didn't trust it. They didn't mm -hmm. trust that a comic book that was the most popular comic book for 30 years would connect with an audience. But the reason I'm telling you this is the guys in the executive suites, they just did not get it. I literally was like, well, you, you sell a lot of copies. We should be making a movie of this. Not good enough. No. The answer is no. Mm -hmm. um, and, cause, and my agent would yell at me and go, why do you turn these deals down? I go, because I cannot stomach the horrible version of this that will come. Yeah. And uh, the thing is that... Nowadays, when I go and I get these calls from these guys, they greet me with their X-Force Omnibus, with their Youngblood Collective, and they, when I was taking those meetings, they were graduating high school. And now they've gone through college and business, and their executive, they, they, they understand the language more. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying anything's going to come of it, but the, the reason stuff has gotten better is because those kids grew up with us, and again, they... They're now adults, and they fondly remember this stuff. Um, I've seen it. I've seen it with my own, you know, two eyes. Um, so, you know, I don't know how it affects the medium or the art form, but like I said, I, I really like deconstructing influences. Yeah. And you know, I was like, what, what, what isn't? The, and the other thing that I'm going through history, going, oh my gosh, Todd used to come to meetings, and there is a double-page spread, and I think spawned ten. And half the page is inked by myself and Jim Lee. Uh, and the other half is inked by Eric and Celestri. Because Todd goes, i got to get this suppressed. Help me. Mm -hmm. And it's, there's 50 figures between both pages. In is that alley. the Dave Singh issue? No, I think it's the Frank Miller issue. Okay. And they're all dead in an alley. All these bodies. And literally, Todd had just some, some uh, outlines. And we just, like, 
we were just giving guys armor because it was all like super powered police force that attacks boy. That must have been fun. Were you just throwing pages around on the table? Well, yo, he's going camp boy, do that. And, you know, and, and I can show you later on down the line, he's like, we'd go to his house and Todd would be like, ink these for me because we got to make deadlines. And uh, Eric Larson, can you help me out? Can you ink X-Force pages? Jim, can you, can you ink this uh, Wolverine issue I'm doing? We would swap. I don't see that at all. There's no, like, this, this, this peer group, this generation doesn't jam. They don't like, you know, and maybe you guys do. Oh, but, yeah. like, I'm talking corporate comics oh, don't yeah, jam. Yeah. yeah. And there's, like, and that's, for better or for worse, Although their numbers are, I mean, Image's numbers are going up the elevator and corporate are, you know, so it's really, and stuff like Lock and Key, not, not, not just Image, but Indie Visions, you know, are catching on. I, I mean, I, I go into my store, I talk to my guys, and they go, oh, no, Image, Image is really taking up, where Image is taking from is DC Comics, which yeah. makes me laugh, like, all day long. That's the best. Well, it makes sense, because it's the difference between who's taking the risks and who's, like, terrified of risk. Yeah. And people always go, you guys didn't take a risk doing image comics. And I'm like, you know, I was the most risk-free. Uh, I was single, not married, no kids. Perfect time to jump out and see if I could succeed or not. And take my fan base with me. Todd just had a kid. Jim's you know, wife was pregnant. They were a little more concerned. Because, again, it's, it's hard to, like, you're selling millions a month. You know you're getting checks, seven-figure checks. I mean, people forget <clears throat> X-Force 2, no gimmicks, just the, the attrition from 1 to 2. Mm-hmm. X-Force 2 sold a million three copies. That's yeah. ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And again, but that, that financed my vision. Yeah. And I opened my studio, and eventually I had 60 artists working under me. And you know what? Guys like Stevenson had a lot of, uh, a lot of leeway. I mean, like the book New Man became his book. Anything he edited became became his vision. Mm-hmm. We worked with the best we could find with a lot of young talent. But even then, like you said, flexible. By 96, I said, between the wizard and the, the media, they all think that these books are, are drawn by our clones. So we need to go and connect with some important talent out there. And what Awesome Comics was... I'm going to sign eight established guys and do a line of five books mm-hmm. and do them great. And because nobody, every, we've just been tainted like um, Rob has clones, Jim has clones, Mark has clones. And the, the, volume that, the volume that was so loud five years earlier, they were just tuning this out. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, you know, I thought I had a guy with um, established finances to take, to take that stuff on, but he, he went tits up. And then the money that was financing us went, and that was, that was the, nothing else made me sad. I was tearful calling up people going, we can't continue this, I've got to stop mm-hmm. uh, the company shutting down. And that was like, like Chris Sprouse, who was doing such a good job on Supreme. Oh, yeah. But again, that was a different, like, Alan Moore and Chris Sprouse, known quantities. Ed McGinnis, Jeff Loeb on, on Fighting American, Jeff Matsuda on Kaboon, because he had gone, made a name for himself at Marvel after leaving it out, so he was more of a known. But I mean, again, you talk about being flexible. You always got to be, you know the guys who aren't flexible. Like I said, my, in my peer group, there are guys who are just gone from the scene. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, I believe, I, I, in 2000 I thought comics would all be digital. And I actually poured a ton of money. Someday I'll, <clears throat> if I can figure out how to send it, I animated two of my comics and 
the whole thing was when I mean animated, like you'd click on the page and the panels would fall on the page. Some some would fall and then straighten up, and then those. I hired this designer, and by 2003, I said, I have the answer. I have the future of comics. But it, they're like, this takes up so much memory. And, this, <laughs> and like, we didn't like figure how we were going to make it. It's like, you'd been like, especially back in the dial-up. Yeah. Like, it's going to take a while for this to load. But I had like, I pursued like, in that period, 2000, 2003, like, I'm going to present the new way comics will be consumed. Okay, so and, before we get too far yeah. past it, I really want to talk more about... Uh, about Judgment Day. Okay. That's, that's that's hysterical. Yeah, that's one of it's my... Ask away. That's probably one of my favorite Alan Moore scripts okay. ever. It's great. Yeah. It's... it's what, what was that like on your side? Because it's such a... One thing I really like about it is the way you're approaching it and the way Alan Moore approaching it. I, I got the similar thing. It worked in the in an opposite direction when Milo Minar and Chris Claremont worked together. Right. And Chris Claremont's like, I want to express these women's feelings. I want to really like dive into their souls and Milo Minar is just like Alan Tit's gonna draw this page okay. and you yes. and Alan Moore working together is, was great because it's like you opposing forces yeah but you're coming in there with this like the thing the thing that I love on page one there, this is the very beginning of it you have uh, who's the character who's accused of murder well well, Nightsaber is falsely accused yeah, and Night, Sentinel is yeah, the Nightsaber. so Nightsaber is coming home on his birthday mm-hmm. and, uh, and he's talking about how how nobody's gonna, he's like, he, he just came back from a bar and nobody hung out with him and he's got no friends in his world. And what I love it, you drew him in his superhero outfit. Uh-huh. And it's like, he's just imagining this guy in a bar, full superhero <laughs> outfit. It's like, no, look, I'm of a, course I'm no one's hanging out I with him. I can be 100% honest. I was out of sorts during that time. Oh, yeah? That is during the, that is post Marvel, post image. Mm-hmm. And then I gotta draw this. Um, we can go back further. I call that one, Alan, I've got a title. Mm-hmm. I want you to think about it. Because in my mind, I want Alan Moore to bring me his version of Galactus destroying all worlds. Right. I said, Alan, Judgment Day, what can you do with that? A week later, um, uh, 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 we, talk, we talk about Judgment Day. Uh, what do you got? Uh, no, no. I don't, I don't think you're going to like it. It's, uh, <laughs> what, 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 Judgment Day to mean a, a, a ruling in a court, and uh, there's going to be a trial. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh shit, this is the last thing. <laughs> and he's like, but, uh, and then he told me, and, and, uh, and he, he would always phrase, Alan was very, there's something that I've never published by him called War Child that I only have two issues of. Mm-hmm. But that was, he was obsessed with Pulp Fiction. And he owned, he was obsessed with Tarantino. Hmm. And the War Child scripts are this weird mashup of sci-fi and Tarantino. Oh, and they're so awesome. But Judgment Day, mm-hmm. he was obsessed with the OJ trial. And I mean, <laughs> if you look at the end, who's the bad guy? Sentinel. Oh, he yeah. killed a white woman, Nicole Simpson. I mean, it's very interesting. It's, you don't have to blur your eyes to see this. Or, yeah. Focus them. And he's like, so I'm going to um, put this uh, together for you. three issues, I think. We could have different orders. Okay. Alan, it's you, man. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. I'll do it. So I'm not, I, I never said, but Alan, what about Galactus? Right. I was like, okay, that's not, that, that, that didn't connect. And you want to do something more investigative, more mm-hmm. of a mystery. So, yeah, I was not, I don't think I was terribly focused. Mm. Um, 
I was, I just remember being out of sorts and I wanted to do bombast mm -hmm. and gestures and I drew people sitting in court. Um, and it was, but with some bombast and gesture, because well, like you said, nightmare. And and in my, uh, in my gauge, I couldn't fathom night saber not in costume, mm -hmm. you know, because I had to sell the image. Yeah. See, and that was where like I got to sell the image. I guess and again, you got to realize, I came a long way to four years ago, going prophet in an astronaut suit, looking like you know. He stepped out on a Charlton Heston sci-fi movie. Mm -hmm. I'm in. Uh -huh. Like I, like no, need spiky hair. Needs. And so <laughs> later, when you when you send me, I, dude, it, I was on this couch, head here, legs here, thrown up, watching TV. Not in this house, but I mean this couch. Yeah. When you sent me Simon's cover <laughs> with that, that it was kind of a takeoff of an earlier cover of mine. Yeah, 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 yeah. you. Number one. Yeah. Um. But but and I'm like, oh shit. This is awesome! Like he's he's hearkening back to the day. Yeah. It's a little bit of a throwback. But he never but wanted I didn't to, see that coming. He never wanted to shit on the old fans. I didn't no, and I don't think he did. did the, when he found all the old prophets and like in the capsule and they're all like evaporated. I mean, that's like I knew fans would crap there. There is one panel in Warren Supreme that I mean I I was like, I'm hooked for life. Mm -hmm. He hooked me for life. It's just casual nod and you know, I've already tried to warn people. This is more of what Brandon did than than what you're uh, on profit with Supreme, what Warren's doing with Supreme. But it's brilliant. Mm. Um, but back then, I think I was probably struggling. Like I said, I, my 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 instincts uh, were not um, probably attuned to doing the best stuff, and I was. I, I would have rather been doing all the flashback sequences because that's where Alan was having the most fun. Oh yeah, everything else was testimony. Do you swear? Um, but I think it works well because it showed this kind of backside of of what the world was like, and then the history. I mean, it's kind of like how we tried your prophet, where it's like these are different visions, but the world right. you know is is going to look like your art. Well, like I said, I, I mean, I, I complete honesty. I can lie to you, or I can tell you the truth. <laughs> I remember it was more like teeth being pulled, mm -hmm. and I wasn't terribly focused on it. Um, Alan's stuff is when you're used to having total freedom and to do whatever you want. It's hard to focus. He I couldn't demands. work off of his scripts. I've seen them. They're just like trying to grow up in the encyclopedia. Okay. So, um, so I mean, it's just. But at the end, product always satisfies. Mm -hmm. Even again, even with, uh, you know, I saw it. I saved it. Uh, I wonder if I have it. I just saw it last week. Somebody had an Alan Moore. <laughs> it's me and him. They photoshopped us, and I said, "I love your work," and he goes, "I love your money." Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> that thing, and again, you understand, our dealings with Alan were very. Alan was only about, even though everybody would have paid him, mm -hmm. he liked Eric, he liked us, he liked the freedom we'd given him. Mm -hmm. But it was literally one time he'd sent, we paid him 10,000 a script mm -hmm. in 1996, starting on Supreme, thank you, 10,000 a script. He would send three scripts in, and awesome. Again, facts. Mm -hmm. And literally, hello? Yeah, what's up, Alan, it's you. Uh, I just I, I, want, I want to make sure I'll be uh, I'll be paid essentially. <laughs> Alan, the wire transfers are <laughs> go, going through. Wonderful, splendid. Mm -hmm. Cheers. What's a wizard spend 10 k a month on? Weed. Dude, tell me. <laughs> one, and so one time we couldn't get a hold of him forever, and that's when Eric will tell you because it happened to him. But Eric, he told Eric he had gone to a magic room 
where he was hanging out with Gandhi and Jesus. We've and, all done that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well, here's my thing. The, the, I, he would give you the supernatural allowance, uh -huh. but then like, I'll, I'll need my money. And, uh, and then, and then and I guess it's like, Alan, you're like the best paid writer in comics. And, and, and Alan, this is now, um, Awesome went out like April 98. Mm -hmm. So Alan, it's, it's, it's November 97. You've been working with us since January 96. Like we, it's not a whether you're going to get paid. And he just, and Jeff Loeb, who was an editor at the time for me, Great. was like, he's, he's just putting it all through his nose. I, I think this is drugs. <laughs> like everyone had a theory of where Alan's money was right. going because he was always broke. Maybe well, he's building the room money. to hang out with Gandhi. Seriously. Money. Well, I. You That's know, my I just, theory with Tundra. <laughs> I bet. I bet. The thing is, I just think that um, he. I think it's all. It's a, it's just an act. I don't buy any of it. I, I, I refuse you to. You don't buy think the it. magic is real? I think that's yeah. just drug trips. I, I, I have think a hard time likes... with. Uh, I mean, his his take on magic, I think, is. Well, like Graham Morrison, who has done some work that I really enjoy, I that guy just stinks of bullshit to me. Me too. Also, because... uh, let me tell you, the conversation I had with Grant uh, in 2000, San Diego, he comes up to me and goes, My interpretation of Grant is how I hear him. Mm -hmm. I kind of need to interpret it. But it's like, I'm like, what the hell are you saying? Oh yeah, no, I've been hanging with it, and I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. But what I got in the slowed down version, right. I said, could you say that again? Because I, I don't head, and I'm like, okay. What he was te telling me, what he was saying to me, was Rob. I love that jeans commercial you did. <laughs> I said, oh, well, thanks. He goes, you know, I've always tried to draw attention, you know, to us as creators. I don't know if you remembered, I wore like a chandelier on my head in the back of Animal Land. And I said, oh, no, that was a, a, a great discussion among me and my studio mates at the time back in like 1988. <laughs> like we would be like, look at this picture of Grant with a chandelier on his head. Do you guys remember? It's black and white. And he's, because it's, they literally turned it in the back of Animal Man. Uh -huh. And he's like reaching out his hands. And, and again, like what's, what's Animal Man all about? And ultimately, he meets Grant. Yeah. And I just thought it was weird. You know, he literally went through 100 people to get to me at this party just to tell me that like I had achieved what he wanted, fame. Yeah. And you just kind of go, some of these dudes are just out for it. I mean, for a, and, and again, I think that's why... Uh, I mean, you gotta understand, I just don't care. Like, it's just, I'll use whatever means to broaden my audience, mm -hmm. get more eyeballs, because it matters. We're artists, right? We don't want to have our stuff hidden. We want to have it seen, especially when we like it and we're proud of it. Sure. But, uh, you know, so it's just funny that his focus was you, you know, and then and 10 years later, more, so God, yeah. you know? Um, so it's just, uh, it's just that, that, that's my, when you say people are full of crap, I mean, everybody's got some agenda. And, you know, it's just, it's just funny when you bump into them. I didn't get it. John Byrne is such a loser. He always is on his board saying, those image guys were all about being famous. No, John, I broke him to work in comic books mm -hmm. because I knew that there was nothing else in my life that would satisfy me. 
I wanted to draw and tell comic stories, just like you, Johnny, but people outsold you, Johnny, and it ended up saying you. In his foreword, Kirkman pointed out, and he decided to buy it, his foreword to Next Men, uh, the hardcover that IEW did two years ago, is mm -hmm. all about Rob Liefeld, and you're like, dude, let me go! Like, just let me go! Like, we outsold you, John, we're sorry! A generation replaced you, we're sorry! Get over it! No one is at the top ever, forever! Yeah. See, and again, he's, the he's sports guy, crazy too. So. No, uh, absolutely. Being a sports guy, you realize that your sports star will not be yeah. on top forever. Yeah. Hockey, baseball, basketball, they have their time mm -hmm. and they leave the stage. And Comics, everybody has peaks, ebbs, and flows. And, uh, you know, you just, you just, the guys at Extreme, I would gather them in the giant bullpen, all 60 of them, I'd stand up on the top of the chair, and I said, I just want you guys to know this. This is Camelot. Camelot was destroyed. They all <laughs> went off on a drunken search for the grail because Camelot was shattered. I am telling you this to tell you this is not forever. Yeah. I have all those guys go, no, we remember that, Rob. You do that every six months. Because I'm like, don't think that this is Shangri-La. You know, your idea. Don't wear a chandelier on your head. Yeah, dude. <laughs> That's what you're going to you know, ultimately be doing is, is putting chandeliers in your head to grab idols. <laughs> now, they admire Eugene's confession. <laughs> so anyway. Yeah, the, uh, the, the anti- uh, Capitalist uh, anti-government guy who got to order the British Empire, uh, you know. Ding, yeah, ding, ding. yeah. Yep. Uh, that's all I need to say about Grant Morrison. Um, we're kind of winding up. Yep. Um, what I want to know now is where do you see yourself for the next while? You've kind of step, stepped away pretty loudly from from the big two. Yeah, I mean, I just I uh, what I don't tell anybody because I don't. Okay. My wife and her sisters were fortunate to be triplets. And when they were teenagers, they were asked to go do commercials, and they did a lot of commercials, and her one sister still does a ton of commercials. So she always goes, everyone goes, is that your wife? Is that Joy? And Joy goes, is that you? And she's like, no. They used to go on a lot of them. I, would, I was 18, met them when they were 16. I would drive them to some of these auditions because I was a family friend. And uh, where are you going with this, Rob? They would say, we don't like to tell people every audition we're going on. Yeah. Because everyone always says, did you get it? Yeah. Of course you're not going to get it. Did you get it? Did you get it? And then when you go, I, I, I didn't get it. They go, oh. And you have to deal with everyone's disappointment. Mm -hmm. I have been writing. I have written probably 650, 700 pages um, since, in, since like November 2012. I have just been writing like crazy. I, I, I let people close to me read the stuff. Um, maybe some of it's going to be books. Maybe some of it's going to be teleplays. But I'm just like, uh, uh, I've also hired artists. I have like 30, 40 pages on three of those that I've just hired. I've got folders. I'm not ready to release them to the yeah. world. Um, I'm just trying to kind of build up my own I don't know, maybe I'll make a giant anthology book, maybe I'll, I just go, I've got, I've still got tons of ideas and still tons of self-interests, and I want to express myself, but I've afforded myself the luxury of sitting back and watching right now and trying to figure it all out, yeah. because uh, 
clearly, you know, at, as we stand right now in 2014, uh, the Marvel Empire is ruled by the films, handsomely ruled by the films. Yeah. They do nothing but succeed, and they cover the, you know, stall of the publishing. And uh, DC Comics is completely in a state of disarray. Every announcement from film to comics just seems like spitball. And I know having worked on the inside, I really felt like while I was there, I was the inside man. I am gonna take down every story, I am gonna take down every horrible thing that I see you guys, and I'm gonna tell the world about it eventually. Yeah. And I just couldn't, I, it was just too much of this. Oh my gosh, you're not, do, you're doing that. <laughs> I mean, I just know what happened to me, and then I saw it happen to other people, and I saw just the cavalier, like, We'll move you out, move somebody else in, because there's always somebody else lined up. So it's amazing how public it is, though. Everybody knows Well, that. maybe somebody got a little courage yeah. from the old granddaddy going and kicking some canes. Because <laughs> I, I think I gave a couple guys courage, because after yeah. that, people, th there was a series of, well, I can tell my story too, and I can tell my story too. And I think they've, you know, now they're either surrounded by loyalists or, you know, but they're in transition. Independent comics are booming. The market's open to it. Um, but I mean, I just, uh, I would show you, there, there's, uh, you know, probably 10 pages of one book that I'm like, I'm just gonna do something that is not for a movie and not, I was drawn at the house and friends came over and they're like, is this for a movie? And I'm like, no one really wanna hear this. This is like just cause I love comics. This is whack crap. Uh, it, it's kind of, I mean, it's what I've been doing for the last nine months is really absorbing every ounce of Jack Kirby, too. I have re just, you name it, I've attempted to purchase it in a collected form so that I have it as accessible to me as possible. And I just, because I think that guy was just an un, he, his genius has been lost on this generation. It is lost. Uh, when I tweeted, uh, about three weeks ago, I said he was the single best all-around uh, comic book talent that ever lived. And I said, best costume designer, best storyteller, best gestures, uh, one of the most beautiful artists at his peak. And then, of course, a couple of the new Cracker Doodles, the new young punks who were like, I think there's so much better than him. Of course you do. Mm -hmm. I will let one guy go, we're not having a debate. I didn't say something to debate. This, there's no debate. You're wrong. <laughs> and I'm moving on. And he's like, oh, how can you call it? No, no, no. I'm not debating this. I'm not debating this. But, and, and, and so, you know, we all pursue what we did. Yeah. And I just, Jack, and having been fortunate to, to meet, meet him, work with him, get to be his buddy, visit the house, um, I just, you know, and, and seeing how loudly everyone doesn't credit him, but they all grasp for their own, you know, uh, credit. I mean, it's it's disheartening to me, and I and and uh, I'm not a guy who ban, you know. I think it's like I'm gonna ban Marvel comics. I, I can't do that. Yeah. That that I, I don't buy a lot of Marvel comics, so I'm almost kind of in a ban, a non-Kirby imposed ban, just out of lack of boredom. Yeah. But but the stuff I'm interested in, I'll still pick it up. And but I mean, it's just uh, so I'm just absorbing all kind of stuff, and I've got I, I've got a very Kirby inspired project. And when I mean Kirby inspired, I mean limitless. I think that guy just didn't have limits. And, and when I look at comics today, I think they're very, I think the structures of the big two are very 
limited, make it episodic, make it this, make it this, make it. And I'm like, that's that's crazy. Yeah. And it may be digital. I, I, look, I, I'd love to go. Oh, here's my 30 pages online now. You know, see ya. Yeah. And you, you didn't see it coming, and here it is. Mm-hmm. It's the way people consume things. But I know that I'm not sure there's a way to you know make a living at it. And again, I'm fortunate enough that I signed some great deals 25 years ago that I don't really need to work right. Yeah. You know, and, and but but as an artist, I definitely want to continue to push myself. And like I said, I'm not kidding you. Brandon's profit was very I've been vocal about it, very inspirational because it was a guy who just said, I'm just going to do whatever the heck I want and not care. And I'm going to take my time with it. I'm going to throw curveballs. I'm going to have fun with some of the elements of this catalog. Every time Youngblood is portrayed, I laugh out loud. And again, you don't get this, hey, harumph, harumph, harumph. I've always been like, let's see multiple interpretations or something. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Nobody has to twist my arm. But, um, it, which is in contrast to how the things have to be portrayed now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I do not, I hate when people put something that's not there there. Yeah. What Marvel has done with taking their comics to films is nothing short of remarkable. And something like Guardians of the Galaxy has me the most excited because again I like the fringe mm-hmm. stuff. And Who I'm, thought that would be like a huge thing? Yeah. <laughs> and well they did their work. They know what they're doing. They, yeah. they they've got they are on like remember when like for ten years Pixar everything worked? Yeah. Everything connected. They're on they're in that zone right now. I don't know that they'll be in it forever. But um look and also, I'll tell you, I'm not an important guy. I'm not somebody who cares. I, I will defend my age. I will come out slugging. You want to talk crap about the 90s, you know, uh, whatever anger men says. Here's Tommy O'Flanagan, and here's, you know, I'll, I'll meet you with my fisticuffs. Let's go. The 90s were awesome. Right. They here's get Mad off. Rock, and this yeah. is Six Inch Shaft. So the thing is, um, the thing is that that's, that's you know, I just, uh, it's fun having a voice, and I love where comics are at in terms of social media that you can. Because here's the one thing I'll tell you flat out I don't care if you like me, uh, my stats are off the chart. Yeah. Again, as an employee, I was fantastic. As somebody who delivered the goods, young Robbie Liefeld stepped up and just hit home runs. Out of the park, out of the park, out of the park, out of the park. I, I, when I was in my zone, I performed, you know? So, uh, my stat line is fantastic. I I do have the right to tell you that your comic isn't very good because I made really good comics that connected with the masses. And so occasionally I'll say, that's crap. And I have every confidence doing it mm-hmm. because I'm sitting here going, right, okay, one, two, three, okay. So you're going to show me the Captain America picture, then we're going to move beyond that, and then you have nothing. And I still have what I built. Um, and I love comics. And I'm a purist, you know? Um, I just... Like I said, I just make a good story. Tell, craft a good page. Yeah. You know, um, and, and, and there's so much bad storytelling. That's a podcast in itself. <laughs> Did anyone teach you how to construct a page? My eyes should start here and end here on every page. Somehow, with your manipulation of figures, placement, and all, you just go. I'm looking everywhere at once on every page. <laughs> you suck. You know, I can't even look at your drawing. Because I can't even focus on your page. Because, again, when I tell people, if it has pictures, it's a comic. If, if you're telling me, you know, but the writing is wonderful, that's a novel. In comics, the words and the pictures should work together really well. Mm-hmm. And the stuff that kicks my ass 
is when that stuff works really well together. And so, like I said, I'm a, I'm a comics purist. I seek that stuff out. But there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't interest me. I won't call it bad, but it just doesn't interest me. But I, and then there's a lot of people who are standing on top of, but I do this important icon, hence I am also important. <laughs> I'm like, well, go make sure and cancel that icon then when you leave. Be Hear that, Simon? Yeah. There you go. Starting with your mustache. Yep. <laughs> no, no. So, so I, again, I just I'm thrilled to talk about comics. I'm, thank you for letting me talk about comics. Well, thank you. I gave you. I gave you some fun stories. This is great. And, I uh, really thank you for inviting us into your home. Yeah. No. No problem. It's been a blast. Um, thank you, and, and enjoy the next one as you you're racking these up, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah.